the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Jonathan Stark, Charlie from House 2, and Billy Cole from Friday Night Kid. And you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Keep, starring Scott Glenn, Alberta Watson, and Jürgen Prochnow. Welcome to another bizarre, synth-filled episode of Podcasting After Dark. It's me, Zach, and joining me as always, my illustriously sleazy C co-host, Corey Stevenson. Corey, what's going on, dude? (laughs) You got you got to throw a little Richard Nixon in there too. I am not a crook. <laughs> that was my uh, Sir Ian McKellen uh, impression. Um, <laughs> I was practicing that on my wife earlier, and uh, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing, man? We are we are of course doing terrible impressions of Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> McKellen, um, one of the stars of tonight's movie. We're going to be breaking down. It is none other than. Oh my God, I can't. I'm so excited just saying this. Michael Mann's The Keep. Fuck yeah. When I say Michael Mann's The Keep, uh, he would probably say, no, it's not It's not mine. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't do that <laughs> nope, movie. Nope, nope, nope. I'm, I'm nope, not attached nope, nope. to this. I'm not a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> to quote F. Paul Wilson, the author of The Keep, would probably say to Michael Mann, uh, and quoting from our last movie we reviewed, Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) I read that he wrote a short story entitled Cuts, where the short story is about an author whose book is turned into a movie that is terrible, and then the author takes a voodoo doll and, like, I guess gets revenge on the director. That's how much... He hated this movie. Yes, I, I look. I don't know F. Paul Wilson. I don't. Lo- I don't know Michael Mann. Though I hope to God someday we have him on our show. Um, but I would say Michael Mann did the best he could. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, and I will say that uh, you know F. Paul Wilson, rightfully so, would is hurt by this movie. Well, I mean, right at the top, we, we, we should address the fact that we watched the theatrical cut, which is an hour and 35 minutes, but Michael Mann's cut, original cut of the film, is three and a half hours long. So as you can imagine, there's a lot on the cutting room floor and a lot of like stuff that was just, I, I, even I was watching, I was like, uh, what, what's, what's going on, you know? <laughs> well, and end quote. We will never see that version ever, 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 because um, this movie was it's the, 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 the DVD that both Corey and I watched this on. It, it is the only version out there. Thanks to Diabolique DVD, which is back online, by the way, so you can go on there and yeah. check out their sales. Um, they are the only ones that I know that carry this movie you might be able to find it on ebay but uh this is one of the i'm just gonna get right into it 
yeah. the reason I chose this movie, this 1983 horror drama fantasy, whatever the fuck it is in a the best way possible, in my opinion, um, this was like a Holy Grail movie for me back in the day, like trying to find it on VHS even. And I watched this movie with my brother, Eric. I watched this movie uh, incessantly when it would sh- pop up on Cinemax or HBO. I always like clips first thing in the morning would freak me the hell out. And I've been wanting to break this movie down since we started podcasting after dark. I'm like, I'm going to get to the keep eventually when mm-hmm. we did and flaws and all, I cannot wait to discuss mm-hmm. this bizarre bonkers film. Um, and I chose it for all the reasons that pad is pad. It is a, yeah. in my opinion, it's a perfect pad movie. Yeah. It, I think it's the definition of a cult movie for sure. Um, my, I actually, I have an experience. I have an experience with this myself. Um, so, and my, mine was kind of like in the HBO format, you know. I, I had seen this movie when I was younger. Um, but the thing was, it scared the crap out of me. So I, I was, all right, so I, I would go over to my friend's house uh, and, and he always made plans and this wasn't Luke by the way this was this another friend Robbie and he would always make plans to like stay up late and we'd always be doing stuff but like he would always fall asleep at like 9:30 right and so like I'd be yeah. over at his house just till up to like 2 in the morning watching HBO and Cinemax and everything because I didn't have either of those at my mom's house so I was like cool I'll just stay up and watch that stuff and I remember when The Keep came on one time, and I watched it, and I don't think I made it all the way through it because it scared the crap out of me, and I'm watching it now, and we'll, we'll get into everything about it, but, like, I'm watching it now, and I'm like, it's it's not that scary of a movie, but it's a very intense film as, a, as like... As far as like how things just sort of hit you, the the the, yeah. the visuals, there's there's always a lot of noise going on, a lot of wind, you know. And then when yes. I was younger, like I didn't understand why the main characters were Nazis. I was like, am I supposed to like be on their side? It's just as a kid, it was just yeah. a very, it's a very unconventional film, and it just really just it weirded me out. You know what I mean? Like I was just yeah, weirded totally. out by it. And then as we get older, as I got older, and I was like, oh, I want to see this movie. I come to find that it's all the problems, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff that we all now know about this film. I was like, oh, oh, I wish I had paid more attention to it when I was a kid because now <laughs> I can't see it anywhere, you know, like, and yeah, so exactly. Right. And so if you saw my unboxing video on Patreon when Zach sent this to me, I lit up when I saw it because I've been wanting to watch this. I wasn't going to ever like suggest it, but I didn't know if you would yourself, but I've been wanting to watch The Keep for a long time. And I regret nothing. (laughs) Warts and all, uh, I regret (laughs) nothing. (laughs) And I will say this too. Um, I posted, you know, today on Instagram that, that we were going to review this tonight and a lot of people made comments on there that this is like their favorite movie. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's yeah, let's I th- get into that. I think, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, I think it's safe to assume that our fans are fans of Michael Mann's work and right. like Manhunter or, you know, Miami Vice. Um, and, and then, so obviously if you're a fan of Michael Mann's work, you know about the keep there are people that hate on this movie. I think it's, it definitely has reasons to be hated uh, to a certain degree. But however, I think that this film has a lot more to it 
than it gets credit for. And that was the other reason I wanted to bring it to the table just to break it down. Like when, and when we do the show, we, and we do scene by scene, sometimes we find in those revelations, Oh, this is a lot better than we thought. Or, Oh, this is a big piece of doggy doo. So, <laughs> so yeah. um, but let, let's get into it. Let's, let's kind of talk about who, obviously the director is Michael Mann. Yeah. And I, I should uh, add Mann. With my, that, that, that with Michael Mann, if this movie didn't bomb in the theaters, we would not have gotten Miami vice. Like the, he, he, he would have stayed as a movie director, but he, because this bombed, he kind of got pushed to TV because this was the eighties. And remember TV was considered, you know, the lesser of the two uh, formats, but because of the bombing of the keep, we have Miami vice. So honestly, I would, I like the timeline that we're on for this. Yeah, we have, we have Miami vice. We have Crime Story, which is a great TV series, short-lived in my opinion. Uh, we have Manhunter because he did those movies. This this allowed him. I, there's a thing on IMDb that's like, this movie forced Michael Mann to retreat to television. I'm like, I get it. It was a different time. Television was considered the lesser form at the time. However... I think you can easily say he elevated television yeah. because of his vision. The yeah, that's what I was is... going to say. He 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 turned he turned the the nothing format into a something format. Yes, agreed. Total agreement on that. Um yeah, so he wrote the screenplay. It's based on an F Paul Wilson book. My brother Eric read the book. I did not because I'm not a quote unquote reader. <laughs> and I'm with you. I don't quote unquote read except for comic books. Well, we both read comic books, but that's it. <laughs> oh my gosh, what are you reading right now? Um Chuck Norris's autobiography, which is a true story. <laughs> Actually, I got I picked up a girl that way. Well, I didn't intentionally pick her up. She picked me up, and so oh, that's a So, uh, did, did yeah, Eric say yeah, yeah. how how the movie or how the book was compared to the the movie? Oh yeah, so so he's he's a huge F. Paul Wilson fan. Uh, F. Paul Wilson actually wrote a lot of really cool horror sci-fi stuff back in the day. Um, yeah, I think he's always enjoyed this movie, The Keep because I think he appreciates it for what it is, like the fact that we just have it mm-hmm. <laughs> versus like not having it at all. But yeah, there's a, a just a ton that's left out. I don't remember specifics about it. Um, if he's listening to this episode, maybe he can go on our IG page or just, just call me and tell me um, <laughs> in, in, because and, and- he's got a lot to say about it. We should probably bring to to light that you you nor I have seen the three and a half hour cut, uh, and we haven't read the book, yeah. so we we kind of have to just sort of go off what we have in front of us. Especially probably yeah. more so for me, like I'm gonna be judging the movie itself based on what we have because I don't know what was missing, other than I know that we have a, a movie, we have more missing parts than the movie itself is a whole right now. Do you know what I mean? Like we have more time yeah. that's cut out than we have actually on the screen. I, I think, but I think you and I will, as we, we, as we go along on our journey, um, we will point out scenes that are clearly like a bad edit 
just a chopped scene. There's so many yeah. moments where you're like, oh, wait, that guy had his face covered in blood, and now he's, like, comforting the main characters. Yeah, you know, there's and, the very disjointed moments. Yeah, and, and I even noticed, because I, and I don't know if I'll be able to bring it up in the moment, but I'll, so I'll say it now, but I noticed a couple times, like, the cinematography even changed. Like, sometimes they would have that, that sharp focus cinematography, and then sometimes, like, almost in the same scene, they would cut to, like, one of those soft, filtery focuses, you know, that you you yeah. see and, and, and like I said literally it'd be in the same scene they would have different sort of filters and looks to things it was it was inconsistent in that regard but but you know I, I don't know why if it was because of reshoots or, or whatever and there was also a, a moment where I saw a character um, I'll just mention it you'll probably mention who he is uh, he was he, he played Dietrich in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and in the beginning of this movie he was like he was one of the I think it was the Nazis who the Nazi whose head exploded in Raiders of the Lost Ark but in this movie he was um he was one of the the grunt guys like with um uh, with the main guy and then at the end of the movie he was a Nazi like he was wearing the black outfit so I'm more like did his character go through an arc during this you know did his character go from being one of the German soldiers to a Nazi in this movie and they just cut that arc out completely but yeah this movie uh, and then the the priest that one scene where the priest is like sacrificing the dog yeah. and his eyes are all red and it's yeah. like well, okay yeah, yeah there's so many little weird like <laughs> as a whole the movie flows and you're like okay as a whole but then there's these little moments that you realize you're like oh god there's something else here that we don't even know what they were trying to do yeah and and i think that's very clear that the studio and and people need to also recognize look i i talked to um matt adler the star of uh, north shore in a on a uh, in an interview that i did for two dollar lafey cheap plug and uh and he's talking about the, <laughs> the movie whitewater summer that we did that he did and how they the studio just got a hold of it and they just chopped it up and made it its own thing. We hear these stories all the time. I think this is one of those stories. Michael Mann not wanting to uh, even discuss this movie. I get it. Look, I do. But I think he also needs to recognize there's enough moving parts in this movie where you go, oh my God, this thing is beautiful. This is this is the movie, along with Tron, that you turn the sound off and you just trip balls to. I don't mm. trip balls, but I know Corey would. And it's like, <laughs> you just turn the sound off. You put on a synth. You could just put on the Tangerine Dream score for this movie and not even know that what's going on dialogue-wise and just trip out. you know. And I think that's a beautiful experience. I, I do too. And honestly, going, I'll just tell you now, uh, going into this review, uh, that was going to be literally my assessment of the film, which is, you know what? Don't think about it. Just either get drunk, get high, and just watch it. <laughs> Let this movie, this is a movie that just needs to pour over you. But that being said, we are going to break it down scene by scene. And I, I, it's happened a lot of times before where I go into our review thinking one way. And then after the discussion, you know, I may have different thoughts on it. But right now, now yeah. that would be my preferred way of viewing this movie is to just be high as fuck and just let it wash over you because it's it's like a dream this movie's like a dream and i gotta say that tangerine dream soundtrack is fan fucking tastic it is a real gem here yeah let's let's talk about it um so let's go through the cast really quick and then we'll talk about that tangerine dream soundtrack um scotty my boy scotty glenn not not a uh, Scotty Pippen. Scotty Glenn <laughs> plays uh, Glaken. 
I don't even mm-hmm. think they refer to him as Glaken in the entire movie. Uh, but he, but he's technically he's top build. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's the lead actor, but um, Scott Glenn, we all know him from. I mean, I know and love him from the right stuff and Backdraft. Um, he he's he's just a phenomenal actor. He's, phenomenal he's actor. awesome. Apparently, He's just awesome. The guy, the guy is a tour de force. He's a tour de force. Silence of the Lambs, Hunt for Red October, the list goes on. I love like Scott Glenn's look. You know, like some people yeah, just have like a look that you're just like that. You just you look cool, and and I just I see him. I'm like, man, he just he looks so goddamn cool. Although I will say, Scott Glenn's always one of those guys that has like an old face. Like even when he's yeah. younger, I always thought he looked older, but he does age well. Like he looks he looked good in in the Daredevil show when he played Stick, and or was he in the yeah, movie? Dude. One of the two, I can't remember. But yeah, he the I, show. The show. yeah, and <laughs> and I saw and of course in this movie where he has that thing at the end. I'm like, oh, Scott Glenn always playing a white samurai looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was yeah he he was in another samurai movie. Movie. the name escapes me right now um but he was in a really killer uh thriller called slaughter of the innocents that came out in the 90s that was really good uh it's like straight to video shit but it was it was good yeah but he played a samurai in some other movie oh in man on fire before denzel washington remade that oh, movie that's yeah. a remake by the way yep yep and yep. man on fire is his movie um but yeah scott glenn plays glaken Alberta Watson plays Ava Kuza. Um, I didn't know who she was until I looked her up on IMDb. She's been in a whole slew of things. Uh, one that stands out to me was she was in Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And yeah. that is my personal all-time favorite musical next to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which are two <laughs> totally different musicals. But if you've never seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, Jürgen Prochnow plays Warman. Most people will recognize Jurgen Prock now from Das Boot. Um, that's yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's his big thing. But I know him as Duke Leto Atreides in uh, the Dune movie, nineteen eighty four. David Lynch's Dune movie. Yeah, dude, and and I equally know him for uh, as Sutter Kane in In the Mouth of Madness, John Carpenter's final good movie he made in my opinion <laughs> and the one the one movie that you and I didn't get to in our John Carpenter uh John Carpenter auteur uh summer that we watched like all of his movies and I still haven't seen in the mouth of madness cuz I was trying to see it with you so hopefully whenever covid lifts and you can come visit me or I can come visit you I want to watch in the mouth of madness with you because I was supposed to and I'm not going to watch yes. it until I do <laughs> that is a guarantee, my friend. Um, <laughs> actually, carrying on the, uh, the the John Carpenter tip, the next actor uh, was in the movie Christine, which is one of my favorite Stephen King uh, novelis. Um, what do you call it? Adaptation. Book Adaptation. made into movies. Yeah. Adaptations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Robert Prosky plays plays Father Finescu, who has one of the worst accents in this movie. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, and. I didn't recognize him until I looked him up on IMDb and saw what he looked like with white hair. And I was like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, that guy has been in everything. Uh, he's in he's in everything. You'll recognize him from Mrs. Doubtfire, Dead Man Walking, Broadcast News. Uh, those are like some top build movies. But in his character in Christine, uh, he owns the auto mechanic shop where... Uh, Christine is stored yeah. and, or restored and 
he's great dude he's such a he's such a kind of grimy dude and he's his role in this i feel like was supposed to be a lot bigger but it wasn't i I think Uh, every role in this movie was supposed to be about a lot bigger (laughs) than it was agreed and then gabriel byrne gabriel byrne the uh irish gangster from miller's crossing which is another (laughs) underrated coen brothers movie oh oh, buddy that is my that is my favorite coen brothers movie is miller's crossing i fucking love that movie it's 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 actually one of it's one of my top five favorite like crime drama films. I'm a huge Miller's Crossing fan, and I even love I love when when Gabriel Burns like he's taking him out to the woods to go kill him, and then he's like he looks all cool and collected and just like kind of falls over and vomits. You know, I was like, man, he's just <laughs> he, that movie's awesome. I fucking and then but just seeing him in this movie, he's so young, and I'm just like, I mean, I know he's playing a Nazi and everything, but man, oh yeah. man, I love Gabriel Byrne. Everything that he's in, I'm just like, I just stare at him. Like, I just like, like just absorb him. I'm like, he's amazing. Yeah. He plays uh, Eric Kempfer and um, yeah, I mean, Miller's crossing is, is phenomenal. I mean, you know, people know him probably from usual suspects. Um, he played the devil in end of days. <laughs> yeah. And more recently he was um, in hereditary. He was the dad in hereditary. See, he, I mean, he's working, he's always working, popping up in small films, big films. Uh, remember he was in that, sh- that movie ghost ship, uh, you know, so he, oh, he's yeah. all over the place. That dude, Gabriel Byrne works, man. He works. Hey, he was in cool world. Yeah. Cool world too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, and he's so cool. He's such a, but in this, he plays such an evil Nazi commandant, uh, Kemper, uh, Eric Kemper. And then, uh, not last but not least, but one of the last in the in the in the cast is Ian McKellen. Before he was Sir Ian McKellen, <laughs> gee, I wonder where people recognize this motherfucker from. Uh, this movie comes on, and, and Kristen, who rarely watches my movies, pod pad movies, she goes, "Is that Gandalf?" I go, "Yeah, that's a very young Gandalf." It's and then baby, he's doing boy Gandalf. And he's doing Gandalf the the like the entire time, and or I guess just is how is he, he talks. or is it Richard Nixon, dude? Yeah, I, I don't know, Nixon? man. But the problem is, and I'm gonna have to address it now, guys. There's no subtitles on this DVD, and I I I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I understood about two-thirds of the dialogue in this film. And just so you all know, like, I normally have my TV on, like, the volume set to, like, 20, right? I had this movie set to, like, 40. And, of course, all the wind and explosions, like, blew my damn speakers out. And then there's <laughs> one scene later on that we'll talk about where I had to turn the damn volume to 60 just to hear what Scott Glenn was saying. But... One of my problems, and this was this was even a problem with Lord of the Rings. I can never understand. <laughs> and then even in this, he's like, "What did you do to my daughter?" And I'm just like, "Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I can't understand anything you're saying, but yet I love everything you're saying." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. uh he has quite a he's he's probably got the most over the top character outside of the main demon uh but yeah his his character is pretty phenomenal in 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 good and bad ways <laughs> but <laughs> but hey bro let's okay before really quick before uh before we get into it i just want to point out the fact that michael mann uh did a made for tv movie back in like 1979 called the Jericho mile. First of all, it's a badass title. 
It's a badass movie. Um, if you can track it down, I highly recommend it. It's loosely based on a true story about a convict who's trying to get in the Olympics and Peter Strauss is in it. Uh, it's just a fucking badass movie. So like, you know, people run down his list of movies that they love. That's definitely a highlight for me is Jericho mile. Um, and people are going to hear this thing and be like, Oh my gosh, it's a deep take. Yeah, it is. It is. Cause that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, I that's like what I do. <laughs> that's what I do, baby. Okay. So yeah, let's just get into it. Cause the rest of the cast is kind of ho-hum. Hold on. Before we jump in, we got to talk about yes. what the connection is between this movie oh. and the dead kids movie. So yeah, as I said, when we did dead kids, I said, there's going to be a connection between, uh, or maybe I did it in the wrap up, uh, which you can get as a Patreon member. And if you're not subscribed to Patreon, please do that because it supports the show. It supports us. And you get some really great content like exclusive interviews, uh, wrap up after dark, bonus episodes. It's, it's, it's good. It's really yeah. good. So it's exactly, you know, if, you, if you're only listening on the free feeds, you're really only getting like a third of what, of what we produce. So uh, everything else is over on Patreon. Everything we do is on Patreon. I'm just saying it's 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 well worth the mm-hmm. um, the few bucks that you can kick down. And if you can't, no big deal. Totally understand. It's all good. I'm just saying. Cheap plug. If you're able to do it, please do. Um, but yeah, the connection in I I said in the Dead Kids episode or the wrap up or or you uh, asked me be- you asked me what the connection was. Oh yeah, do you think you know the connection? It's Tangerine Dream Baby. Tangerine Dream Baby. Come on, Tangerine. <laughs> One of the best. Okay. For Corey obviously knows this about me, and Corey is a fan too. I love synth wave music. The Midnight is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite new bands, FM eighty four. But I love that eighties old school synth. Jan Hammer, Gunship, shit. Gunship is good too. Gunship is great. Yep. Uh, but Tangerine Dream was one of the first uh, bands, quote unquote, to do soundtracks and and give like that synth score. Um, you know, obviously people like Vince DiCola and Brad Fidel and, um, Richard band, they all do like that synth kind of thing. But Tangerine Dream was it'd be just like, you know, Daft Punk doing the soundtrack to Tron. It's the same kind of deal, but, but they did, they did soundtracks for dead kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this, the keep obviously three o'clock Legend. high legend and so uh, risky business the list goes on really killer i would say dare i say this is one of this might be their best soundtrack they've ever done dare i say this soundtrack is the best part of this movie i agree with you i agree with you. <laughs> that and the visuals i mean the fucking wall the wall just to dig in like a little bit deeper just you know like say saying it's the best part of the movie is it's like whatever but like it's so good and it adds this layer of dreamlike quality to the movie that you know i know that that's what michael mann wanted to go for but like there's scenes in here that you, you would never imagine that ta- like a, a band like tangerine dream would be like doing the music for but yet it just it works man it all like the music in this thing works just like with dead kids and and just like with uh with legend which is interesting because legend already has like a dreamlike quality and it takes place 
place in a fantasy world. This has a dreamlike quality, but it takes place in a realistic world. So the juxtaposition of the music and like sort of the story that's going on and then the visuals you're sort of seeing is a lot more extreme than than say legend or something is. Um, But it doesn't mean it doesn't fit. I think it's I think it's a stroke of genius to have uh, uh, music like that in this movie. I think if it wasn't for Tangerine Dream, this it, I think they added a lot to this movie, and a lot of its longevity comes from the fact that the Tangerine Dream soundtrack is just so so good, so bonkers good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you fans know that music means so much to a movie. It can make or break a movie. It really can. It really can. Uh, a shitty soundtrack can just... I, off the top, top of my head, I can't think of any right now, but I do know that might be a, a great watch list, like great movies with terrible soundtracks. <laughs> um, and, th- but, and so this soundtrack elevates this movie from a piece of crap to a shiny diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I mean, let's just let's just let's just do the thing, man. Let's just do it. Let's do it, guys and All right. guys and gals. If you've never seen this movie before, this is it. This is uh, you know, I, if I was a listener of this uh, show, I'd be so happy right now because I've never seen this movie, and I never would have if you didn't get it for me. So I I appreciate that. So, but this is it. <laughs> We're gonna dig into it. We're gonna dig into it, and and if you don't want it spoiled. Go out and buy the DVD from Diabolique DVD. Don't don't go on eBay. Just sincerely, Diabolique DVD, and I, and I'm we don't get any money from them. They don't even probably know who we are mm-hmm. yet. Uh, but they are a great independent, like cult horror sci-fi website uh, that puts out some great shit stuff you can't find anywhere else. And they got a great feature where if they are out of stock on something. Uh, you put your email in and they, they let you know pronto. Like, so this was out of stock. I put my email in. They let me know. Uh, I bought two copies, one for Corey and one for myself. And then right after I did that, they were sold out again. So, um, go on Diabolique DVD, buy that, then listen to this. If you don't want any spoils, because we're going to spoil a ton of shit, everything, actually, <laughs> literally everything. <laughs> Gets in anyway. Nothing we do, no security works. What's happening to me? 
The movie opens up with like very subtle credits, red, very like, I love that. It's very like understated. Again, typical Michael Mann, just chill. Even like with his credits, I go, oh, it's a Michael Mann movie. I love it. The music opens up and uh, it's a forest in like what looks like Romania. There's all these Nazi Jeeps and tanks and an army coming down the road. This dude like lights up a cigar and you realize it's it's Jurgen Prochnow's character, Klaus. And at, at, the, at this point, I wrote, like, the music just kicks ass. Yeah, right, right out of the gate. <laughs> right out of the gate, just fucking kicks ass. And then along the, uh, while they're doing this, there's shots of, like, clouds and just, just just this impending doom. There's a sense of impending doom. And they drive into this village, this, this group of Nazis drive into this village, and the villagers are all wandering around, like, with this f- look of fear. And I have to point out, too, this village is beautiful. Like the moment you see every visual is beautiful. Like the location for this thing is just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like a little cottage town that's in between these like granite mountains, you know, Uh, I guess it's whatever the rock is that's, that's made out of, uh, that the keep is made out of. But my note is the village looks amazing. And yeah, dude, this, this entire opening scene in a movie that's like an hour and 35 minutes, it's like, it's like four minutes long, almost five minutes long of just music and then slow motion of them driving into the town while the, like while the villagers watch them and everything. But it's a beautiful sort of setup to, to the, the, the experience that's going to be coming at you, you know, really quickly because, I mean, it's like I said, it's an hour and 35-minute film. It goes by fast. It goes by really fast, and and they, they pick up pretty quickly after this kind of just kind of like lull of, okay, what's going on sets the stage. You see at the bottom of the, the, of the um, screen the Dainu Pass Carpathian Alps in Romania. So yeah. it is in Romania. And then you see like the, the father, Robert Prosky's character step out with his like uh, dyed black hair. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know, again, if you don't know Robert Prosky, every other role he's been in, he looks the same. This one, he's got like, he looks like um, Rasputin a little bit. Yeah, I know. He, I thought that I was like, is the connection Rasputin? But no, you, you didn't say the connection was to, to Horror Express. Right out of the gate, like, like he's he's talking to, like, the guy he's with, like, the person who's driving him, you know? And, and I don't know. You, I already got the sense that I liked Warman, you know? He, he, he didn't – he doesn't come off bad right away. Yeah, because, yeah, the, the soldier he's talking to, what uh, – Warman basically says, you know, you know, welcome to your new home. Right. Um and and he says to the soldier, he's like, "We're monsters of the uh, we're monsters of the world. We're done fighting. We've been assigned to the guard this past, and here is where we'll stay." Basically, like resigning the fact that the Nazis are the monsters of the world, and this group of ragtag soldiers is now kind of like they're done, <laughs> hopefully hurting, torturing people. Well, all right, but here's the thing, and I'm we're not doing any kind of like apologist or whatever but but no the they are those guys are german soldiers they're not technically nazis and like yes, be, right. because the nazis roll in later and we also find out later that warman actually would have probably fought against uh the fascist germans so like you it, i wish they would actually get more into that because i i 
honestly find that a little bit more intriguing, uh, which I guess they kind of delve into in that in that Valkyrie movie with um, uh, Tom Cruise, where there was like, you know, oh, not yeah. again, I don't want to be apologetic, but not every Nazi. Well, OK, not every German soldier was evil. I'll say probably every Nazi was evil, but not every German soldier was evil. And these guys are more like German soldier grunts. And then later Warman says something that I think implies that he himself was a Romanian. Like he was just yes. brought in, you know, he would have, you know, like I think he would have fought the Germans earlier, but since they got occupied, he is just now a German soldier. He's just a Romanian soldier fighting for the Germans, but he's not a Nazi. No, he he's not. And so um, he has redeeming qualities that will come up through this film. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great character. If you yeah. will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, as they, as they do this, as they are preach, approaching, you know, as they see the past, this big wall that they're supposed to guard, it, it's I can't even do it justice by describing it. It's it's just beautiful. It's this giant mountain with this with this entrance in the front, which is so creepy. Um, they go into they go into it, the keep. And the walls are covered with what looks like silver T's. They're crosses. And and as they're in there, Warman hears a sound and he pulls his gun on somebody. He pulls his gun on this guy. Uh, the, actual, the actor is uh, William Morgan Shepard. Yeah, and I was going to say, he, I know where, do you know where, or uh, I'll say where I know him from. Uh, where he do was you the, know him from? <laughs> he was the, the bad guy in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yeah, dude, actually, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. That's where I mostly recognize him from. But, yeah. I mean, he's been in everything from Transformers to Star Trek to, like, yeah. Gettysburg. It's all over. But, yeah. yeah, dude, that's exactly where I recognized him from. But oh, I, I do want to say of the dark. real quick. I with you. I'm with you. I loved the design of the keep. Um, the yeah. the the production design of this movie is outstanding. the The Romanian village because I think they they built the the set inside of a, an abandoned quarry. Um, the, all the exteriors type of stuff. I think, but regardless, the set design in this movie was top fucking notch the the keep is like it looks so ominous it looks so you know foreboding and uh it's really cool looking and yeah it's hard to describe i couldn't even describe it it's just it's interesting looking it's very cool looking and i i love it i do love it but i also love this exchange between uh uh, warman and the the caretaker of in him in his family and everything that we're about to have yeah, the caretaker is his name is Alexandru. Um, he's there with his sons, and he he after Warman realizes he's not a threat, he starts describing Alex does Alexandru starts describing the keep and that there's a hundred and eight of these crosses made of nickel. Uh and he says, you know, no one no one no one leaves no one stays in this place. Um he's and he's he's been taking care of this keep since his father did, he followed in his father's footsteps and his sons will too. Um, but they and don't like, know who I was gonna say. And I like how Warman's like, and like, who do you answer to or something? He's like, nobody. Yeah. And he's like, how do you know what to do? And he's like, we just do like, we just, 
we just do it, you know? He Like, Warman's looking like, who owns this keep? And it's like, nobody. We just, we guard it type of thing. And I, yeah. I, I, and I like the conversation because, like, Warman's like, you know, are there ghosts? He's like, no, no one's ever died here before. Like, it's weird because yep. all the words that he's saying, the words themselves doesn't seem like this place is bad. But he's like, nope, no one's ever died here. Nope. But yet no one's ever stays here. You know, you're just like, there's something <laughs> ominous about it, you know? Yeah, and then and then Klaus says, uh, Warman says, you know, what drives what drives people out of this place? And he says, dreams. And I love that. Like, oh, I just, you know, it, it, you know this about me. Uh, everyone who knows this about me lo- knows that I love uh, Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. I just like the idea of dreams controlling you, this, the, uh, the unknown. I love having scary dreams, believe it or not. Uh, I think you get your best ideas from some of those. This feels like a dream, right? I wouldn't know. I never dream. <laughs> I know. we. That's right, because we talked. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Klaus is saying, you know, um, he wants the rest of the tour and while the Nazis are moving in. At the same time, they, they this is one of those moments where you're like, okay, I feel like this, this scene probably went on longer than it was supposed to, but they cut to the father um father finescu and he's in his uh church and he's praying and he's smoking of course <laughs> like smoking a cigarette <laughs> and then it, and then it cuts right back to klaus and alexander uh warman i'm sorry i'm going to be calling him klaus and warman throughout this whole thing it's klaus warman um, okay yeah i i he's only warman in the in the imdb and then i had to go off of imdb because again i could only understand at best two-thirds of the dialogue for this film so <laughs> yeah agreed yeah there's gonna be folks there's gonna be a couple times when Corey and i are like i have no idea what he said but he said something and it's probably relevant but yeah who knows? it seemed important <laughs> but i don't know yeah and we'll just end it with by going i'm not a crook <laughs> he's Corey's gonna do gandalf i'm gonna do uh a bad richard nixon and there you go so cuts back to uh, Warman and Alexandru and still giving the tour and Warman's like describing the way it, it looks you know he's like typically with these places the uh, the small uh, the small bricks are like on the inside and the large ones on there on the outside but this is constructed backwards it's almost designed like some to keep something out and or just I just keep something that in keep something setup. in sorry keep something in that's right sorry um and while this is going on, soldiers are like stringing lights. Um, but then one of the soldiers is trying to take one of the crosses off. And Alexandru freaks out. He's like, you know, no one ever touches the crosses. You must you must not stay here. You you know, and then Warman is Warman says, you know, you just got yourself night duty, basically saying to the guy, like, because you tried to steal this cross. And that's almost kind of like, I, I feel like that was um, Warman's uh, save the cat moment, you know, like it yeah. shows you that he's honorable. He, he, he's, he's not a guy, he's, he's not a monster like the Nazis and everything. He, he's more honorable and he stays that way for the entire duration of the film. Uh, so I, I like that right away. I was like, okay, I, I like Warman. I always like characters uh that you know it's it's you know the quote-unquote the bad guy even though he's 
probably technically I would say Warman's the the protagonist or one of them of the film but it's always interesting to see sort of a different perspective on the German army that you know as a kid you just assumed they were all bad everyone's evil it's all black and white you know and then you realize that okay some of these soldiers were just you know they just got sucked into the to the the the, the German Nazi mach- the machine because they you know when they take over countries they would just absorb the you know the the soldiers into their probably into their you know, whatever. And that's what these guys were or whatever. But the point is, is that right away, you know, you war and it'll be more apparent when, uh, Gabriel Byrne comes, but you know, Warman isn't a monster at this point. No. And, and I also get the sense that Warman's character is like done. He's just, he's done fighting. He's done being a soldier. Um, he's exhausted and he's just like, whatever, like, okay, no, you're not going to steal the cross because that's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, but you got night duty. So sorry. Sorry. I just saved you a little bit, but uh, you got to do, you still got to pay for, you know, trying to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, cuts to the clouds darkening in the night. And now it's nighttime still at the keep. It's cold. The lights are flickering uh, and wind is moving around and there's guards outside the entrance. And one of the guards notices that the cross, one of the crosses starts to shine and starts to glow and is drawing him in. Uh, and he starts walking towards it. And as he walks towards it, he starts picking with his, uh, you know, he's picking at it. And he says, ooh, you know, he says, yes, the crosses are nickel, but not this one. And that's when, like, the synth is starting to kick in more. Again, the synth is so killer. Yeah, th- this entire scene, like him, like, oh my God, like like you describing it, no offense, does not do it justice. And honestly, it's my favorite scene in the no. movie because I love how he's slowly walking towards the cross as the as the Tangerine Dream synth wave is like slowly increasing volume, like coming into play. And then that soundtrack just is this entire scene with that tangerine dream soundtrack is just and and you know uh, michael mann shooting in slow motion and stuff like you didn't have to do that you didn't have to do any of that you, you could have just made the guy walk over there and do exactly what you said in the script but michael mann said no we're going to shoot it in slow motion we're going to make it very dreamlight like this this music is going to just play during the whole thing as it slowly like builds up volume and you're just like oh my god this is amazing right after out of the gate this movie you're just like oh my god this is awesome i can't believe what i'm seeing but also i would yeah, say Michael- as a kid as a kid this is what really kind of maybe off put me because i'm just like it's just dude it was it's such an assault on the senses that i wasn't ready for when i was like you know 12 years old you know by <laughs> myself in the basement you know like like maybe if i was with somebody watching it but like you know like i'm like Trying to like, am I am I siding with the Nazis? I don't understand who I'm siding with. And then the, this the wind is blowing, and I love wind in movies, by the way, because it's so ominous. And I love how windy it is. But you know, and then this music is playing, and I'm just like, as a kid, I'm just in, I'm like in awe, but at the same time, utterly terrified. Well, I I will say because the first time I saw this, I was probably seven or eight years old, uh, which is crazy to even think about. Um, and and I was always attracted to this. This this is what I love about movies: music and image, purely music and image. Mm-hmm. And this movie incorporates it so, like you said, so beautifully. And we cannot do it justice by breaking it down. We are going to go scene by scene, but I'll tell you what: like you got to see this movie for itself. Yeah. Simply for the fact, forget the story. 
beautiful. It's just beautiful. So mm-hmm. the guards, yeah, Lutz is the main guard that first sees the the cross, and he's and he and then he calls in Otto, the other soldier that's on duty that night, and he yells out, you know, he's like, "Silver, it's silver!" And they start to pry off. They're trying to pry off the cross, and as they do, they realize that they're like trying to pry the whole block the the whole cement block the concrete block that it that it's supporting out of the wall and and as they're doing that the whole block's starting to come out and they think they're going to be rich and then the whole block like falls in like in instead of going out it goes in and yeah. it doesn't just go it, it goes down like a tunnel this this scene freaked me the hell out then as much as it does now because it's such an unknown you know, falling into like th- that movie, The Descent, captured that so well. Where you're oh. like, "Holy shit, where are you going? This unknown like cavern? Like we, we don't even know where this place is, right?" And so, I fucking love The Descent, Lutz, by the way. Oh yeah, so do I. I know, I know you do. Uh, that's why I threw that out there. So, so uh, Lutz is like, you know, he goes down into the hole, and Otto has like kind of taken their belts and they're, they're creating like kind of like a you know, like a, like a rope system to kind of get him in, go inside the hole. And as he does, I love this scene. Yeah. Uh, he's trying to grab the, the cross and he's like, there's more silver down here. And the block falls back even more. And, and Lutz falls down into the hole and he realizes he's in a chamber, like a giant cave, this creepy, I wrote it, I called it the monolith because it has yeah. these weird like concrete structures that look something like out of Phantasm or 2001 A Space Odyssey in the caveman scene, right? Like these these weird concrete blocks that yeah. look like Iowa's. Um, and it, it, it's this giant, ominous, dark cavern and you don't see a lot. And this is a perfect example of less is more because you just get the sense the camera pans back and you see Lutz is like tiny little character in the can in the corner of the screen, the open darkness. And I want to know how they did that because I mean, to say that it's huge, like my cock, just kidding. Uh, just to say that it's huge is an understatement. Seriously. Like, like when the camera, I don't know if it's a matte painting or what they did, but when the camera like pans out from Lutz, I mean, it goes all the way back and it's massive. Like we're talking like yeah. Superdome big, like, like huge. And yeah, it's, it's, and I love it with, like you said, there are these pillars down there and it's really cool because immediately you're like, this is all caverns, but those pillars, even though they clearly are sort of made out of the rocks and the granite that are in there, they're also made by something. And that's what kind of gives it, you know, a, a little bit of ominousness to it because those are, that's something that's made, you know, and then all of a sudden this like electricity sort of shoots out of them. Um, but yeah. dude, that I, I'm with you, man. That entire scene, I was like, what the, that thing is crazy looking. That cavern is wild. And I loved, I loved it. And I love those pillar thingies. Yeah, it, it, it. Oh man, it's 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 probably was filmed very minimally. Like they didn't, you can tell that you didn't use a whole lot of special effects for it. But it's so so badass. And yeah, as that's happening, you know, Lutz is like, "Pull me back!" Yelling to Otto to pull him back up. And as that happens, this yeah, this weird beam of light shoots through the pillars and up the entrance. And um and it, it and and shoots up and you hear you know as Otto's pulling Lutz back up uh you hear this you know loud kind of 
ominous sound, right? And as Otto pulls him back, he reveals, finally gets Lutz, and then he starts kind of getting grossed out because he's only pulled back Lutz's lower torso. And the rest Mm -hmm. of it's just kind of like entrails hanging there. Uh, he falls on the ground. He's all freaked out. The air that's been kind of released after the after they push this, you know, cube into the pit, um, all this air got released, and then now the air is now being like sucked back in. The entire wall is now moving, and Otto is just blasted, explodes, <laughs> um, which is so crazy looking. I love it. And, and the thing is, what I really enjoyed was that, like, when, first off, when he pulled up Lutz, yeah, he, he's, he's, there's entrails and stuff like that, but there's no blood. The creature, no. like, blows you up and you're almost like paper mache. It's really cool looking um, because it's really not bloody at all. And, but I loved it. I loved how different it is because, yeah, you could have just said, oh, it, it ripped him in half and you pull up a lower half. And I've seen that a million fucking times. Like, the the lower yeah, half yeah. and it's all meaty the upper half you know it's it's okay i've seen that a gazillion times but i've never seen something that's been blown apart by like energy and like when when lutz gets uh when when otto gets blown back he's like he gets blown back in midair and like in midair he explodes like his only a little bit it's so cool because again like they could have said make his entire body just completely explode and you'd be like eh, all right i've seen that too it's like he just kind of explodes and that right yeah. there honestly weirdly makes it more terrifying. Yeah, it's it's uh, I've seen that like in in maybe in the Beyond and Fulci's The Beyond when like they blast someone's brains open. It's just kind of like this slow mo effect. It's very it reminds me of kind of Italian uh, shock moments, and it's very effective. It's super effective, and yeah, and af- right after that happens, all the soldiers are freaking out and shooting, and as this is going on, and the lights pouring out of the keep. Suddenly, Scott Glenn's character, Glacon, awakens. You cut to the scene of him sitting up with his eyes open. And his eyes are like white, milky-ish looking. He's got these really killer kind of contact lenses going on. And then there's like also like this weird uh, particle effect in front of him as he wakes up. Yeah he, uh, yeah. yeah, he lays up out of bed and like there's weird almost like particle sparks kind of floating around him. Almost like when you rub your eyes really tight and you see all the kind of like weird star spots around you yeah yeah it it was cool but i felt like i felt like there was probably something more to glaken's uh star stuff like the whatever but he i do like his purple eyes his purple eyes are cool as shit yeah he he's very mysterious looking and you're like well automatically you know that his character is very relevant to just what happened uh he's connected to the keep being released but you'll find that out in a little bit he immediately gets up, he packs up his shit, and he's got this really cool long wooden case, but you don't know what's inside the wooden case. You will at the end. Uh, and he leaves in the night from whatever inn he's staying at, and he gets to a dock. He's near the uh, near the water. That's like a ship, um, a dock with ships, you know? And it turns out <laughs> like it's, a port. it's in... <laughs> yeah, port, thank you. It's in Piraeus, <laughs> You're like, Greece. what's that thing with the, the, the ships and the water and the docks? <laughs> what's that thing that, that you sit in in the water but it doesn't it, it keeps you from getting wet a boat yeah a that's boat? it yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a crook so um, he wants to hire a boat to take him to Romania's coast uh, and then he pays this guy's like oh it's going to cost you a lot of money and and he pays the guy obviously 
and then there because the next scene is he's on a ship the ship in the sea and it's it's a long shot it's maybe like a 30 second scene of just the ship being on the water and it's beautiful man like again it's another beautiful visual where you're just like oh i could stare at this for a long time there's a there's an old russian film called solaris which they did a weak george clooney remake uh maybe 20 10 years ago i guess the original solaris there are scenes where there's like literally a two-minute scene where the camera is on a running stream just on the running stream for like two minutes it's very artistic, and that's a three-hour movie. Yeah, I love that shit, dude. Like, I just love movable art. That just—it's so this scene of the boat going on the water, just it's it's gorgeous. And also, I'm like, I would never survive. I'd blow chunks on that boat. <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. Um, I actually uh, kind of liked Solaris, uh, the the George Clooney one. I I really like my sci-fi to be slow and and plotting. Um, my my favorite. Star Trek movie is the motion picture because there's like a mm, yeah. fucking like nice. four minute shot of of uh, the Enterprise flying over V'ger, you know, and I'm like, nowhere in today would you ever have a, like a four minute shot of the Enterprise just flying, you know, and I just I love that shit, man. I, I love it. Unfortunately, we went through a really long phase of short attention span scenes. Uh, and so you you don't get this kind of stuff anymore with mainstream movies this movie's not necessarily mainstream maybe it was intended to be and it definitely did not go that route <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, cuts back to the keep and klaus gets word from uh one of his soldiers that uh, uh Ste- steiner is also dead now there's like five nazis dead or five german soldiers dead which which tells you uh, and, that I guess there's a there's been a sort of a time lapse between yes. you know uh, seeing the Glaken stuff to to, to now I, I you know I would assume that there's been a couple nights at least have passed. Yeah, yeah, a few nights have passed probably, and and at that point, uh, Warman has asked for a relocation for his soldiers because he's he's clearly freaking out, and he runs outside of the keep because he hears a noise and rolling into town are the official Nazis with Gabriel Byrne's character, Eric Kempfer. I was referring to him as Eric because they never call him. I don't really think they ever use the word Kempfer. They call him Eric the whole time through the movie. Um, But they show up. And originally in the beginning of the movie, when the German soldiers show up, they just kind of roll into town and the villagers look scared but they don't really do anything to hurt them. At least they don't show that. But when the Nazis roll into town, they're being very aggressive. They're pushing everybody around. They round everybody up in town and they line up a bunch, like maybe three of the villagers and they open. And as, as they're getting ready to open fire and kill them, Warman's running out yelling, you know, no, stop, stop. He's trying to stop them, but it's too late. He's killed all the villagers. And, or all, all three point, of the ones that he lined up. Not not all of them, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, he kills everybody. Um, <laughs> ah, ah, oh, you all die. <laughs> kill them all. But, but yeah, I love so, that, dude. I, I loved Warman's reaction. I mean, he he is literally running to try to save these people, you know? And, and, and again, I like that. I like that his character is not a bad guy, even though he's a german soldier you know it's it's yeah just, he's on know, the bad different. side for sure he's on, he's the, on bad the bad side, side but he's not a bad he, he's 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 on the bad he's on the wrong side he's on the bad side but he's not a bad guy 
he's he's a sympathetic character yeah because you feel like he's trying to do the right thing um because Worman's yelling at Eric uh Kempfer you know and and Eric very calmly Gabriel Burns Nazi character is just he's like pure evil it's pure evil and he's like your relocation has been denied and uh, and he the Kemper rounds up more villagers and he takes them to the keep. And then finally, uh, Father Finescu runs out and he's like, you know, they don't know anything. They know nothing. And uh, Eric says, you know, one more villager die. If, if one more, if one, one more of my soldiers dies, these five hostages will all be shot dead. Um, and it will keep on killing until our, my soldiers aren't killed anymore. And they head off to the keep. Because because Kemper yeah. is doing this because he thinks that that these these um, peasants these these villagers are the ones that are killing the soldiers or at least maybe they're harboring the the person killing the soldiers. But at this point, Warman knows like he he knows that no one from outside is getting in. He knows that it's happening from the inside. But you know, Kemper is Eric is not going to believe that at this point. Yeah, because they they go into Warman's quarters and Warman's yelling at him, you know, that Romania is an allied state. Like, don't kill the people that we are supposed to, you know, be friends with. Um, And and Eric Kempfer doesn't give a shit. He's just, you know, he's typical. He's that he's the typical Nazi. Just he's cold piece of crap. Um, And then. Worman is trying to tell him kind of reason with him, but, uh, but now like Eric is, uh, Eric Kemper is blaming his incompetence, you know? And, and then he says, uh, Kemper says something like fear is the answer to, uh, to stop all of this. And Klaus is like, whatever he, whatever is killing us, it doesn't care. And if it's like us, then does your fear work? And I love that. Cause it's like, if if the thing you're trying to destroy uh, or scare is just like you and you apparently don't scare at all, like how is that going to work at all, right? Yeah, yeah. And then and then Kemper responds by saying, "Well, let's go see, right? Bring a hostage." And right after they ha- they that happens, there's uh you see that Steiner's character has been burned to a crisp. They're going to see like the aftermath of just the latest attack from the keep. And it's a really cool, cause he's horribly burned and it's, it's just, it's just like melted almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go to this wall in the keep and there's words on the wall and then just this weird language. And Kemper wants to know what it says. And he threatens to kill this villager. And that's when Father Finescu runs in and he tries, you know, interrupts, he keeps the guy from getting killed. Um, and the priest said, or the, the father says, you know, it's not in land, it's not in Latin or Cyrillic. Uh, no one can talk, no one can decipher this or talk about the keep except for a professor of medieval history in the University of in- Inashi. And it's Doctor Kuza. Kuza. He grew played up in the by, village. Played by. Played, played by. Gandalf Lugray. Yes. And at that point, he's revealed that he's Jewish. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Kemper goes, well, "Where is this Doctor Kuza? 
uh, and and the father says, well, he's Jewish, and so he's basically in a concentration camp. Yeah, so he's like, cut, so you have him. <laughs> so you have yeah, him. Yeah, you have him. So they cut to a concentration camp. It's a very, like, minimal shot because clearly they – it's not a big scene. Uh, but you're introduced to Dr. Kuza and his daughter, Ava. Very beautiful, by the way. Yes. And they're sitting in the camp with other uh, prisoners, and they're being told that they're going to go off and – go back to the keep and you it should be noted that uh that ian mckellen is wearing old makeup like they have him looking looking old looking like gandalf sorry he's gonna look as gandalf (laughs) yeah so ian mckellen at that point um and i can't remember if it's revealed at that point but he's like he's like 48 years old he's supposed to be 48 years old he looks like he's 88 years old he can barely move he's got gloves on his hands uh because he's always frigidly cold and his daughter Ava, you know, she looks like she's like twenty something, and um, and he's clearly like dying. Uh, he's just, and you'll get to, you'll figure out very soon why he looks like that. <laughs> or or, or why to, why they took a young actor and put him in old makeup, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and 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 he's yeah, he's talking very like he's. he's gonna die. It's, it's, and you're like forty eight years old. What the fuck happened to this guy? Jesus. And the funny thing is, he's almost like doing his Gandalf voice just twenty years earlier. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it immediately cuts to Glacon on the road to Romania on a motorcycle, looking super badass, and he gets to a checkpoint with soldiers, and you know they ask him where he's going, and he says he's going into the pass, and they're like, "How far into the pass?" And he says, "To the keep." And they wanna they're looking at his his gear on his bike and they wanna see the they wanna see what's inside the case. And he says, you know, don't touch that. And right after they go to touch the case and he grabs them and says, Don't touch that, his eyes glow bright. Like he yeah. sits out this beam of light and you're like, Oh shit, this guy is supernatural. Yeah, and it's and it's like a weird sort of cut too. Like like Michael yeah. Mann didn't I don't think he did the best job because all of a sudden it's like it's like this weird cut and flashes, and then all of a sudden the two guards are like one guard is holding the other guard back. There's almost like there should have been a fight scene right there, or they're about to fight. Yeah. But I mean, this everything about this movie is is choppy. Uh, I mean, even yes. in even in like scenes, it's choppy. Like like not like they cut out complete scenes, which they did, but it, it feels like they even chopped up the scenes that you're actually seeing. But I will say, what was cool was, did you notice that Glaken when he was driving in, his the headlight on his motorcycle was purple. No, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Fun but fact. but later, nice. but in the other shot, like after this, when he's on the motorcycle again, and it's more close up, the they just have a regular uh, light on the front. But it's in this one, it was like when it was further away, they made it purple. I was like, okay, cool. Oh, but then you didn't do it in the next one, so okay, not cool, but all right. Yeah, continuity is not the friend of the keep. That's for no, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No. <laughs> So just let that go right here yeah. and there. Just let I mean, that honestly, part go. So, you, you could even say that, that you know, I, I know that Michael Mann specifically wanted to make this movie feel dreamlike with the look of it uh, and the soundtrack. And I think he said, like, yeah. he, you know, the, the, the cinematography, the location, and the soundtrack are all, are all like, sort of fantastical. But everything that's sort of happening in the dialogue is supposed to be realistic. And he wanted that juxtaposition to create this dreamlike quality. Now, the irony is 
because the movie is so cut up and chopped up that it actually makes it almost feel more dreamlike because it has almost kind of like dream logic to it where, you know, things just sort of jump and you just sort of go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's shortcomings actually make it a little more, well, definitely make it more cultish, uh, and, 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 and help it out in a weird way. Like it, yeah. it gets a little bit more of a pass because you're like, oh, this is like an artistic, you know, dream trippy adventure. Right. And yeah. So after that happens, we cut we cut back to Dr. Kuza is with Eric Kemp, uh, Eric Kemper back at the keep now with his and Kuza's there with his daughter or Kozu. Uh, and he threat immediately threatens Kuza or Kozu with, uh, you know, figuring out what is going on at the keep and they've got three days or they're sending him back to the camp and Kozu reads what's on the wall. And he says, it says, quote, I will be free. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's very like, again, Prince of darkness, you know, let the devil out kind of thing. Right. Um, and he's, it was just hard to make out, but he said it's, it's the Nagleic alphabet. Um, this language has been dead for over 500 years and which you know, adds to like whatever's whatever wrote this on the wall. However, this got here was put here by someone who, you know, should be dead <laughs> or is yeah. really well, fucking old. And it's yeah, and it's not even it's not really addressed until later when he's sort of talking to the father. It's like right after this scene or whatever when he's talking to the father, and at the end, you know, he's like, "So did you write this? No, then who did?" And you know, like that was kind of. But you'll you'll get to that in, in a second. Yeah, yeah, because we immediately cut to. Ava now with her dad in the keep kind of settling in and Ava's asking for firewood uh, because they're forced to, to stay in this dreary, wet, dark place, which I don't know who, who well, would want to stay there at all. And, and she also explained like her dad's condition and that if he stays yes. here uh, in this dampness and this coldness, he, you know, he'll get gangrene basically on his hands. Um, again, I wish there were subtitles because I, I didn't catch like what his condition is. But this is when you find out that he's like, I think it was even something younger, like 42 or something. And he but he just yeah, he looks like he's supposed to be like 70, you know. And uh, but you yeah. also do get Warman in, in this moment saying like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll get you some we'll get you settled in. He he's warman is completely you know compassionate you know for being a a commander soldier guy who's you know had to kill and everything before but he he, again everything that they do in this movie shows you how compassionate he is yeah warman is she's uh ava is asking warman for you know what they need to like you said survive in there and he's giving them the request and he says to them you know find out what's happening in the keep and I'll get you to Bucharest. Like, I'll get you out of here. I'll, I will take you to a safe place if, you know, once you figure out what's happening. So he's doing his good cop, bad cop thing where he's like being the good guy trying to support them. And then Father Finescu walks in. These fucking names, I'm telling you, man. I know. <laughs> These names are like so all over the place. Father Finescu walks in and he hugs them and he's, you know, he's okay. He's a Romanian priest. I love this because this, this happens in movies. Sometimes you just got to let it go. It's like, um, uh, you know, like I'm trying again, I can't think off the top of my head, but any sort of movie where 
like a guy is supposed to have some sort of accent and he doesn't. And you're like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Like, a, or he's got a thick New York accent and maybe he's like in, from South Africa or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Father Vanescu walks in. He's like, well, what fairy tale did you tell them? He, he's he's supposed to be Romanian. He's got no. He's, he sounds American. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, and then. Finescu's kind of like alluding to the fact that he wrote the message on the wall that no no he, I don't here. I didn't get that I, he he was telling them that he brought them here to 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 help get them out of the concentration camp but at the end of this scene when he's like we're about to like part ways you know he he says like uh Ian McCullen's like did you write that on the wall and then you know uh <laughs> Finescu's like no and then you know then it begs the question because they didn't even they sort of hadn't even talked about it but it begs the question of okay well then who the fuck did yes yeah exactly yeah they're they're kind of you know the the father is like wants to get them out of there and get them safe and the doctor, you know, doesn't think he, I, I cannot go because of my condition. You know? I cannot go. Then, I cannot travel. They're having this weird, um, they're having this weird exchange because, because they're like kind of casually talking. And, and at the same time too, they're kind of under the gun, literally and figuratively. Like they have to figure out what's going on so they don't get killed. Um, then now they're having this like discussion about like, uh, you know, uh, Kozu says, you know, you believe in gods, I believe in men. And then the father's like, how's Ava? Like, dude, you, you could have just asked her. You were just there, you know? And that's when you're right. That's when the father reveals that he didn't put the writing on the wall. Uh, he, he gives he gives Kozu a, uh, one of his cross and he kisses Ava and hugs them and he leaves after that you cut to Ava walking down the hallway and she hears this weird sound which sounds like a generator turns out it is a generator <laughs> well it's it's like the 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 sound that de- there's like this sound that the demon sort of makes whenever he's coming you know and it, they did a little yeah. coming <laughs> um and they did like a uh, like a red herring sort of thing where it, yeah it does sort of sound like a generator so she she sees a generator but it is the sound that the that the demon makes though yeah it is the same sound but it turns out it is just a generator and Ava's surrounded by all the german soldiers and nazis and uh and wants and she's going into their barracks to get food and she gets food and like a couple of the Nazi soldiers are eyeing, eyeing her and they take off. She's walking back to her dad and two those two Nazis that kind of ran off earlier grab her and they rip her clothes open and they proceed to start raping her. Yeah, man, that, that of, one like gut punches her. It's brutal. It's it's I mean, it's it's yeah, we've seen. Like worse rape scenes in movies, but I, I never, I don't ever like rape scenes like at all. I mean, I don't think anyone probably does, but like they, they always sort of off put me in movies. And it's not the most. This movie isn't like the most extreme one, but to me, like any rape scene, I, I think is gross, you know. And 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 it just, it's, it's unsettling. Yeah, yeah, and and they've painted Ava's character like. You know, you you don't you haven't gotten a lot of insight into who she is just yet, but you have a lot of sympathy for. Her. She's she's fucking comes. He was in a concentration camp. Like yeah. 
Nazis and the, the the Jewish experience is that the whole thing's just horrible. So whenever that shit goes down, you just automatically just want to see these guys destroyed. Well, guess what? Three, two, one. A weird cloud explodes through and just decimates both Nazis. Oh, and this so awesome. this scene is a, another beautiful scene because this cloud rolls in with this weird kind of like odd red electricity veiny thing in the center of it and destroys the nazis like what like so one of them like like well first off you see that like before they die and and moving forward this is how it kind of kills them like it draws like this energy out of your eyeballs and your mouth for like a second and then the first nazi's head explodes and it's a great shot because the the actor was so close to the other characters and the shot was so close but then they they just sort of cut him out it's really well done it was a very good uh like effect shot and then the other nazi does this like it kind of makes this like internal like head sinking explosion like his head just doesn't explode it kind of like it's almost like his bones exploded on the inside but the skin was still there so it kind of just goes and droops i dude it's awesome the deaths the what the creature does in this movie is really fucking cool although you don't really get to see it too too much but when you do it's awesome yeah yeah and in in the creature his evolution because he changes yeah. quite a bit throughout this thing because he's feeding off of the the people he kills. He's feeding off of their evil energy. Um, but he he picks up Ava, this cloud picks up Ava, and you start to see, I, I wonder, it looked almost as if it was like cartoon animation, um, like to give the, the effect of it. The fingers look cartoonish. The, the, the images of what the monster is behind the clouds are, are kind of cartoonish. Um, and it, as it's bringing Ava, it brings Ava to her father who's doing work and he's like, Ava. And then, uh, and then you, get, you get hear, away from my, what have you done to my daughter? Just take me instead. <laughs> I, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so after that happens, the monster speaks to the doctor and he says, you know, who are you? And, you know, why are you here? And I need you. I need an ally. And uh, because the doctor's like, I'm I'm working with them. And he's like, you know, I need I need an ally. But you collaborate. And it's creepy because what I love about this is, is the monsters talking to him. He kind of has a normal humanistic voice, which mm-hmm. I actually like even more. It's yeah. like um, the devil in in legend, where it's just a kind of a natural voice. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I'm and completely, dude, with you 100. percent And I love the way the creature looked in this form. Is like probably my favorite version of the creature. But I'm with you. There's something unsettling about the fact that it has just a normal voice. But uh, but I, I did like how uh, Ian McKellen said, I am not a collaborator. And I felt like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I felt like that was like a, a, a phrase that he had to use because it was such like a thing at the time, like, you know, Nazi collaborators or whatever, yeah. you know. Like he specifically had to say, you know, I, I'm not a collaborator with the creature. But yeah, but then the creature places his, his electricity hand on him. Yeah, he like he goes to like choke him and then like shocks him. 
and, and you know you, you're kind of freaked out by that because he, he after he does that the the monster leaves and you're like did he kill him is he dead what's going on and you cut immediately to Glaken who's on his motorcycle in the forest <laughs> with with no purple light this is the one where, where you with cut no back to him like ah oh. yeah because it's a, it's more of a close-up shot of, of of the front of the motorcycle and they just have yeah. a regular light on there and i was like oh come on guys keep it consistent and i and I guess you, they, they probably threw that scene in there just to show that he's getting he's still on the road. Yeah. <laughs> because immediately you cut back to Ava awaking uh, and then her dad is out. He's he uh, the doctor is in in the wheelchair. Uh, he looks like asleep or dead. And then he awakes. And as he awakes, he looks like 10 times younger. Yeah. yeah he, he looks like hands. young Ian McKellen. <laughs> right. And he's got, he doesn't have his gloves on anymore. He's got his normal hands and he puts them on his face. Uh, and, and he says, I, f- I feel warm. Like suddenly his voice has changed, you know, this youthful voice. Um, and he says, it, it carried you here. It was a dream. I, and, and he's like, I, it, it can smash the Nazis. Like he gets really excited because, because his daughter's like, you know, it's a monster. And he's like, no, it, this is what we need. We, this is what we need to, to kill them all. Yeah, and he, he says it's like a it, this creature's like a hammer. They can just basically yes. point him and and you know have him do his thing, and that, and that's going to kind of be the theme. Is like, do you do you do you use one evil to to destroy another evil? You know, and I, I'm sure there was much more of those themes in the original cut of the film. Yeah, I, I love that. I and, and it's exactly the theme. It's like, do you do you stoop down to the level of the 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 monster to defeat the monster? No, you shouldn't. Um, and, and this, and then this is when Warman walks in, and uh, he's like, you know, we gotta, we gotta get you out of here. We get, we've got to send you to Ava. He says to Ava, we've got to send you away. Um, and then uh, the uh, Kemper walks in, and he's like, you know, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to stay here, and you've got to finish. You've got two more, two more days or whatever, and. Um, they manipulate Kemper into saying, no, Ava's got to go. Like they, they just have this exchange where they're like, well, no, you know, she should get out of here because she's, she's ruining this for our doctor. And then that's when he's like, yeah, fine. Yeah. Ava, you you have to leave now. And he sends her out of the keep, which is funny because they kind of, but like, like not leave like the town. Like he, she needs to stay in the town, but just not in the actual keep, you know? And I will find it. I thought it was funny that no one noticed that uh uh kuza is 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 young now although i know that he was kind of like sitting in the shadows and and i think that's what yes. they were trying to go for but man they needed more shadows because i would i would have walked right in and been like why are you young now excuse me why are you young <laughs> what yeah. happened and it's not Instantly. just <laughs> it's not just are you young it's not just but it went from to I've got, I know you need me to work on this project and I'm going to help you with this. <laughs> it's yeah. like suddenly his voice totally <laughs> changes, right? Yeah. Um, so, so Worman walks out the, 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 you know, the doctor is saying to Ava, you know, Kozu is saying to his daughter, he's like, you know, you need to leave. You need to leave this village for me. You need to get out. And she leaves to go to the inn and uh, Worman stays with the doctor and he sees a photo on the doctor's like kind of desk where his work area. And uh, he's like, this is, he's like, who is this? And he says, it's my son. And he died five years ago on the side of uh, anti-fascists. 
yeah fighting the germans uh yeah the anti-fascist yeah yeah and then klaus reveals that he would he probably would have fought fought alongside him because he was anti-fascist as well right and and so that kind of solidifies that that warman is not a nazi he just you know he's just he's a soldier that that lost you know he was on the losing side and the the germans just absorbed you know him into the into their fold but yeah he he says right there you know what he he wasn't there he wasn't at that battle he but he said if i were I would have been on the same side as your son. And I think that, you yes. know, that right there solidifies their bond. It solidifies we don't have to question Warman at all. We know he's quote unquote one of the good guys. Yeah, and at that point, um the, uh, the doctor gives Warman the cross that the father had given him earlier and he says that he may need it. Uh and he says to Warman, you know, you're a humane man. And uh, and at that point, that's when Klaus goes to help Ava. Yeah, and and and, and yes, and and I was gonna say because because one, uh, I liked how how he gave him the the crossing. Oh, because because Warman's like, why do you, a Jewish man, have a cross? And and uh, Kla- yes. uh, Kuza says a, a humane man gave it to me, and now I want you to have it because you're a humane man. And then you know he he takes it, which I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I love I I don't know why, but this is a little moment. But like you know, Ava's now done packing everything, and uh, Klaus grabs. T- t- he's the one who takes her suitcase, and I was like, I yeah. love that. It's just he's the gentleman. He is. He's the good guy here, you know, and he just happens to be on, you know, the the bad guy's team, unfortunately. Yeah, and a, and after he walks out with Ava and and uh the doctor stands up from his chair cuz now he's like you realize, yeah. "Oh, he's much stronger. He's getting strong. He may not he not only does he look younger, but he's also turning into like a man's man." And he stands and up a, and, and like, then makes a, a fist. Yeah, I was going to say, then there's a weird shot of, like, him making the fist and then pulling it down. Like, guys, like, if everyone else is, like, <laughs> playing this movie on, like, a, a, a 7, Ian McKellen's on a 10. He is... Yeah. yeah. I don't want... I, <laughs> so, I, I would honestly say he's probably overacting in this movie. I think he's he's toned it down since, probably, but he he's shooting for the moon in this one. Yeah, he's definitely overacting is is a fair assessment because it is way over the top and i get it he's like blasted with this bolt of energy so he's kind of become like this he's he's just getting his virility back right yeah um after that your ava's leaving the keep and she enters the village and she enters the inn the innkeeper she tells the innkeeper she can't pay uh and the innkeeper's like it's okay he's like you're you know, your father has uh, done a lot for me and you can stay here. And he brings Ava into her room and they enter the room and Glaken is in the room already looking out the window of the room that she's supposed to stay in. Yeah, he's, uh, he's already and, there. And even the, the innkeep, uh, it's like, what what are you doing here type of thing? Yeah, this is really funny because the innkeeper. So the innkeeper is like, yeah, what are you doing here, basically? And, uh, and Glaken does, doesn't even acknowledge him he just says is this is this the only room that overlooks the keep and the innkeeper says it is and then the innkeeper like looks at ava kind of shrugs and just walks off like i guess you're sharing this room with him <laughs> like wait 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 okay. i guess so i guess that's i guess that's what's happening to you ava <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre um 
And then Glaken walks over, you know, walks in up to Ava and he asks, where will she go? And she says back into the keep and uh, this, that the soldiers are keeping her dad in there. Uh, and, and she says, I'm going to rate, I'm go- going to wait right here for my father. And, and then they're having this exchange. It's a really cool moment because uh, she's, he's like right in her face and she's kind of looking at him very lovingly. And then behind her, behind Galakin is a mirror. She looks in and, and you see into the mirror that you can see her reflection, but you can't see Glaken's, which is yeah. very creepy. And, and it was really cool. Like it was not yeah, done awesome. like with like effects. It was done with like different actors. So, so like you had a, somebody playing Ava, Ava's like, back of her head you know looking at glaken while the real actress who played ava was in the in the mirror it's like it's like how they did you know uh, like how they do like old school like mirror shots when there's no actual mirror yeah. there it's just actually someone standing there but it's really cool really good shot and and really neat i i liked it a lot uh, I, I wish i wish i knew or understood more about glaken but maybe at the same time not knowing is also pretty cool too honestly yeah I, i'll tell you, i'll say this like i have no problem not knowing like what Glaken's story is uh, of everything that I want fleshed out in this movie. I don't need that fleshed out. I'm just assuming he's an angel. He's something, a guardian, whatever, but I don't really honestly need him fleshed out. I think he's cool that he's there though. Yeah. Again, I think this goes back to the whole dreamlike quality of this movie where you just, I think it gets a pass on many levels because it's such a beautifully, it's so beautifully kind of, it's like the, just the, all the elements that make it so dreamlike kind of erase a lot of the major flaws. And that is a flaw it has. Mm-hmm. The, the, and this, there's a fl- another flaw coming up in a moment because right after that happens, Ava wakes up from bed and she's sleeping. And she looks at the wall uh, where the mirror was and the mirror has been taken off the wall which is interesting. I like that. And then, um, and then she looks over to the side in the room on the table. And then the long case is there, the long wooden case that Glaken has taken with him. And immediately it cuts to Glaken and Ava on a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. Chilling in a mountaintop, yeah. having a romantic you know. moment. <laughs> and then in which segues right into a sex scene. And it's like, well, yeah, 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 no, we're, it, we're getting, we're, we're getting there because, because, you know, Ava uh, and Glaken are on the mountain. And then she says, you know, why are you here? And Glaken just kisses her. And then it cuts to the sex scene. Yeah. The, the is, weirdest which, sex which, scene I've ever seen. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so um, <laughs> Scott Glenn is, like you said, he, he doesn't, he's got a very old face and he's got a very like grizzled, angry face. And yeah. the entire time they're, they're, having their love making session, he's got this like angry look on his face the entire time. And like, I don't know if I want my person looking at me like that when, you know, <laughs> and she's like very, she's into it. Actually, I think it's very like tasteful kind of sexy scene in a way. Um, it and, is, and but the motions artistic. are are weird because like they're sitting yes, they they're are. both like they're doing like the sitting sex like where we're both like sort of like like <laughs> yeah. sitting crisscross applesauce but like you know she's on his d and like and they're and she's like <laughs> writhing around and he's like holding her hands until they eventually make like this cross thing like with their with his arms sticking you know straight out it's it's like it's just a weird form of lovemaking but i will say this scott glenn he had some guns on him man he got some big yeah. ass arms 
Well, first of all, you said a very interesting mo- something very interesting there. You said they were they were putting their arms out like a cross, and it makes yeah. me wonder. Yeah, you know, I know. I, that, I know. I I know that like of all the weirdness of the sex, like that was on purpose. <laughs> there, there's a purpose to that, and yeah, it's it's very. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's symbolism. It's very symbolism, and there's also a purpose to and Ava's giant uh, merkin, I guess, too, uh, that she has as well. <laughs> I don't think that was a merkin, dude. I think that was the real deal, Holyfield. <laughs> I don't think it was either, buddy. I think that was the real deal, baby. <laughs> there's your pad moment. Um, That's right. So, <laughs> and if you guys don't know what a merkin is, Google it. Enjoy. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Enjoy yourself. Um, <laughs> From the from their from their beautiful love making artistic love making scene cuts to them in bed and Ava says you know where do you come from and Glaken says I'm a traveler and I again missed some of this but but she and she says from where and he says everywhere go yeah. to sleep and dream <laughs> like th- yeah and, and he touches like her temple and she just immediately falls asleep so yeah eh, it's really cool you know, actually it's really cool. It, it really is, but it does beg the question of does she actually have free will in this sexual uh, escapade here or is no. she also being used, uh, you know, but whatever. Yeah, that's I mean, a good he's, point. Yeah, he's the good guy. I mean, I don't think it's not supposed to come off that way, but when when you actually think about it, it kind of makes you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is really it is really interesting. And now you cut back to the keep right after that. And now the doctor is meeting the monster face to face. Okay. And so first off, I love how the shot starts with like the doctor, uh, Kuza looking like sort of around the corner type of thing. He's in his room, but the creature's behind him and the creature just reaches out his arm. But Kuza turns around and rightfully so is terrified. But I, I just thought it was funny that if I were the monster, I would have been like, Oh, sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to scare you like that. Really? I didn't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I'm just a giant, like eight foot tall monster, which he is. He's like eight feet tall. It's, it's, it's so cool looking by the way it must be in the book but because they never name him in the movie but the character the monster's name is molasar yeah i saw that i saw that yeah i was like that's kind of that's cool it's kind of like that guy got one of those old old names you know yeah, um i like that, it <laughs> but it's also it's, i'm sure it's got to be in the book too but like what's up with his trapezoids like is that what the neck muscles are your your traps where you got the yeah dude <laughs> They, they, I mean, um, our, our boy Scotty, you know, Scott Glenn later in the movie has the same traps. I'm like, Jesus, they've been, uh, obviously they skipped leg day and went for neck day. <laughs> went just gym. for neck day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just I know. neck and, day. And I gotta say, I mean, ultimately, like, Every version of the monster that you see, I like less. Like, meaning I like the smoke one the best. I like this one the second best. It's like he has no skin and he just has, like, veins and sinew. And then the last one just, it kind of looks like a, a Power Ranger, unfortunately. But I, uh, I yeah. did I did read that the, that the special effects supervisor for this film um, passed away, like, two weeks into post-production. So, like, everything that he sort of... Uh, and, and the movie's actually dedicated to him in the in the credits, and I, I forgot his name, and I apologize for that. Um, but he passed away uh, into po- like right away into post production. So essentially, I guess the team that was working under him had to just sort of like 
fill in for him. But it's like, you know, it's like if Rick Baker passed away, right, during the middle yeah. of something. Like, he he was the guy. He was the guy. Everyone else was there to help him. And now all of his assistants had to become the, the, the person that was doing it. So I do think it also, the special effects suffered from that as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Like, he looks cooler earlier on in the movie. I wouldn't say he's Power Ranger quality because at the time, 83, when this came out, I'd be like, whoa, this is way different than anything I've ever seen. Like, it doesn't look... If, if you take yourself back to 1983, it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen at that time. Since then, for sure, it looks like every Tamagotchi... Uh, gotta catch them all Pokemon shit, a Japanese like <laughs> show where, you know, they have whatever. Uh, but, but that being said, I still kind of dug the way he looks with his giant traps. And, 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 and it's cool because the monster says to the doctor, he's like, you have death all around you. And the doctor's like, you sent the energy from the death camps. And, and, um, and the monster's like, oh, I will destroy them. I will consume their lives. Oh, but 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 right before he said that, he goes, who is killing my people? So so yes. my question is, is is the monster like is he is he Jewish? Like, is he like a Jewish demon type of like or is he Romanian? Like, you know, what I mean, because he does say who who is killing my people. So I was wondering, like, what that monster was referring to as his people. Well, I wonder if he's just trying to manipulate, he can get into the mind of, he knows he can use the doctor to get him out because he yeah. needs the doctor to get him out. And so he's manipulating him. I, I think I, on one hand, I'm initially I'm like, Oh, he's a good guy because that's what, that's what the doctor believes. He feels like he's doing the right thing. And then this monster is actually a good monster. But on the other side, I think, well, he's just manipulating the doctor to get what he wants so he can take over the world. And so he can go in your thoughts. He can, he can do anything. He can just, he, he's all encompassing. He's the devil and the devil knows all right. The devil knows your secrets. The devil knows everything. I think that's what he is. That's what I think. Yeah. Okay. Personally, okay. I yeah. Know. I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I kind of actually lean towards the fact that maybe he, he, and, and they said the inspiration for the story also was from the Gollum, the, you know, the book, the Gollum or, or the movie, the Gollum yeah. or whatever. Um, I, I, I kind of, I, I believe that he is somehow connected maybe to the Roman Romanian people, um, or the Jewish people or something. But the thing is like, I think he, if you did let him go, he would have done what he wanted to do, but he just wouldn't stop there. He would have just kept going, yes. you know, like type of yes. thing. Um, yeah. And, and again, that's just like, that, that's kind of like splitting hairs. It, it's, it's moot regardless because it, it, it's not a good entity regardless. It's a bad entity. Yeah. It's a, yeah. And, and he reveals that the only way for him to get out of the keep is by having something removed from the, from the keep, an object, the origin of his power. Uh, and it must be kept safe from the people here and anyone who may come here and the, the doctor must remove it for him. And, you know, the doctor agrees and the op, uh, you know, he asked the doctor to carry the object and the doctor's like, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> Cuts to the father, Finescu, at the keep and the soldiers are all freaked out. Um, he goes to check on the doctor and the doctor says he can't leave yet. 
Yeah, that, that there's there's a power here, and and the father's like, well, there's there's power in God, and he you he can't say the father said that. The father freaks the fuck out at this point. Like I didn't yes. understand this completely. Immediately, like, immediately, he's like he's like there is. Oh, sorry, sorry, that's my Ian McCullen voice. He's like there is no power other than God and Jesus. The you know I mean like total goes into the, the full on you know rantings of a of a zealot type of thing. You know, yeah, and, he's and like, you're like, gonna burn in hell burning hell yeah it's it's really it's really weird no i feel like maybe he's almost under the influence of something but there's also this this thread this theme here of 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 the 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 father believing in in a higher power and divine whereas ian mccullen's character kuza believes in the evils of men and then the father's like i was right this entire time i was the one that was right and you almost feel like there should be like wind blowing in his face like he's just yep. he all he just went off the fucking deep end like instantaneously immediately like i mean it's definitely disjointed. It speaks to some something, some sort of line of dialogue happened before that, or a scene that the father was in that had to explain that because it is so disjointed. It's so like, wait, it's a one eighty from this kind of lovable, supportive guy to suddenly he's like, yeah, you know, just spinning his head around. It doesn't make yeah. any sense at all, but it does lead to this bizarre scene right after because the priest's, Blitz takes off. Ava goes to goes to or the the father. Ava goes to the church, but as she does, she walks in, and he's got blood all over his face. Uh, he's like he he's, has blood he's, in his mouth. Well, yeah, he's sacrificing the dog that he's had the entire time, and he turns around and he's got blood in his face, but his eyes are red they're red like like horror express red they're not like bloodshot they're not like like blood in his eyes they're fucking red and i'm like and even myra because myra and i watched this together the first time and i didn't even sort of notice it and she was like so what was up with the priest's eyes and i was like oh i kind of didn't even see that the first time so the second time i watched it i really paid attention to that scene like what the fuck was going on you know like that's i feel like there's so and, and there's no like i feel like we know that there's like two more hours that we haven't seen so there's yeah. something else happening with his character that was completely cut out and all we're seeing is like these little remnants of it yeah so, something something was cut out clear this is this is one of the first more obvious moments in the movie where you're like yeah they 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 cut out a chunk of stuff cuz this is important that being said it's a really creepy creepy moment because you're just like oh it's really gross and after that Ava goes to get her dad out of the keep and the dad's like you know I can't leave yet but she still gets him out into the village and out of nowhere Glaken walks out while like while they're kind of having an argument and uh and he says what's in the keep is spreading in the village kind of that's what's supposed to explain what oh. happened to the father I, I guess okay earlier that, yeah, that, I that's guess, what happened. So I guess like I guess maybe there was probably scenes of of the villagers having their moments. Maybe they're all going crazy because they're getting infected by by the madness of the creature. But that yes. was all completely cut out, except for the the father's part of it. You know, all all cut out. And 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 I guess for me it gets a pass because you're like clearly 
this got chopped. There's a scene that explains it. We'll never see it, so it is what it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I love this moment because this is when, this is when uh, Ko, uh, Kozu says to Glake, and he's like, well, "What do you know?" Like really, just you know, intense. And that's when Glaken looks at Ava's dad and says, well, I know you gave yourself to him and agreed to carry the talisman out. It's what keeps him inside. And if you carry that out, he'll be released. And it's so great because, he, you know, he says it's the source of his power. And then he says, you know, as he's describing what, what, what the monster is, he's like, he, he, he sums it up by saying, you know, he's the same as what's worse in the world. And I love that because it's like, he's the devil. He's the devil. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, to me. Like, yeah. That's that's what it. That's what it said to me. And and Ava Ava wants to go. She wants to get out of there. She wants to escape. And Glaken says to the doctor, you know, don't take out the talisman. And then um, the Nazi shows up, and the doctor tells you know Eric to arrest Glaken. And then suddenly, that's that's the moment when uh, Eric notices that he's healthier. Right. And then you it's revealed like the doctor is turning like he wants to stay at the keep and he but he's but he's now a part of the problem. He's not a, no longer a part of the solution. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really weird moment. It's it's again, it's a disjointed moment because Ava confronts Glaken and she's like, you know, you're a part of this. And because because Glaken says he can't leave. He's got to protect the keep. And. Glaken reveals that the talisman is his. Uh, it's his to protect. It's his talisman, and he's and he's guarding the keep. But now he, quote unquote, is being released. And then she's like upset. Like she's like, well, "Why did you? Why did you come to me? Like to be my lover? You know?" And she, I think she says something like, "To dream?" Question mark. And then he says, "To touch." And then right when he's about to to he whispers something to her. And then the Nazis bust in to arrest him. But, like, I could not for the life of me figure out what he whispered to her. And I, I, you asked me, like, bro, can you please try to figure that out? And I turned my TV up to 60. When I normally listen to that on volume 20, I turned it up to 60. Could not decipher what he was saying. The only thing I could decipher was uh, she said to be my lover, to dream. And then he says to touch. And then something about... Like that's the only thing we can do in this world, something like that. I don't know. I don't. I, it's it's fucking. It was just like um, uh, King of New York, where we were actually watching it yeah. with subtitles, and there's a yeah. shot uh, where he whispers or he says something to uh, one. Uh, anyways, this, even the subtitles didn't get it, and I was like, "What the hell?" But here we didn't even have subtitles, so I don't know what Glaken said to her, but she was mad that you know she's like, "Why did you use me?" Essentially. Yeah, I, I love that because, yeah, you're right. Both of us, you and I both probably rewound the scene about 20 times. And, yeah, what I picked up was, you know, why Yeah, why did you come to me? And I wanted to touch you. I wanted to touch you. Uh, and then I wrote down, it's only worth my left toe. Is that what he said? <laughs> I know. I and was going to write down what I thought it said. And it was something also, like, really weird, like, the world is only here for touching? Like, question mark? Yeah. Is that right? What does that mean? And then Yours is like, I wrote, I'm only here for my left toe? What? What? Is, what? <laughs> yeah, and then I wrote, uh, it's the only world I keep that. It's the only world I know. It's the yeah. only world I kept hope. It's the only world that I, that keeps going. I don't know. It, something to the effect that. 
it's my left toe is what I'm going to go. Yeah. So. <laughs> something to the effect of my left toe. <laughs> my left toe. And you're right. That's when the Nazis burst in. It's a very disjointed scene because this moment that uh, Ava has earlier with her dad, uh, you know, the dad leaves to go back into the keep. And that, and that's when, that's when uh, he sees, you know, Eric, the, the, the main Nazi and Kemper and uh, you know, you reveal like, Oh, is he going to turn on them? Is like, is he, a, is he truly an evil bad guy? And then, so Glaken gets arrested by the Nazis. He tells Ava to stay. Ava runs out. And, and this, I love this scene because he runs out and they and the Nazis are marching Glaken towards the keep. And as they get the, from the village to the keep, there's like a bridge. Yeah. With a little bit of a moat. It's not like huge, but you know, it's, it's, it's there. It's there, yeah, and it's pretty. It's deep enough, and and it's deep enough because Glaken throws one of the Nazis, and when I say <laughs> he throws one of the Nazis with one arm, he chucks this guy like you would throw a stone, a small stone into the water. He launches this dude over yeah. the side, and right and that after Nazi, that, that Nazi went straight to hell. <laughs> he went as he should. And as after that happens, um, the Nazis just unload on Glaken, just start shooting the shit out of him. And as they do, he is bleeding what looks like antifreeze from a car. It's like glowing green ooze. Uh, yeah. Ava's freaking out. She's crying. Glaken's on the ledge. He falls over the, over the bridge, but now he's on the ledge like down below the bridge, but he's still alive. Yeah. yeah. Worry, but it folks. was cool because like, like he was like, he would try, he was trying to rush the, the, the Nazis, but like the bullets, they're not really killing him, but they are like pushing him, you know? So he's like yes. trying to like, like, like attack, but they're like, bah, 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 they're hitting him. And they just kind of like, essentially the bullets push him off the, the ledge. But I liked that. I liked how the bullets weren't really doing the damage, although, you know, they are doing damage, but it was more like the kinetic energy of the bullet is what knocked him out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's a killer moment. Cause you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Did you just kill off? It's like Steven Seagal in executive decision. You killed him off in the first 15 <laughs> minutes. What the hell I happened feel, here? Yeah, I feel like you've made that reference before multiple times. Oh, and I will make it again. I will make it again. I love that movie. Um, John Leguizamo and Kurt Russell. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode, this is actually just an ad. 
All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. So after that happens, you cut to Worman and Kemper. And Worman's like, you know, why is all the shooting going on? And, uh, and Klaus goes, walks off to check on it. And, 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 and Kemper is yelling at him. And there's loud noises going on outside. And the soldiers are now scared. And it cuts back to this is where Worman and Kemper have their big kind of showdown. Uh, yeah. They're arguing with each other about, you know, why they're there, the, uh, why the Nazis uh, are not courageous. You know, Worman is like, you know, he's 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 the he's the German soldier who's like seen the light. And he's saying, you know, Nazis are not courageous. And um, all we are, who we are, is all coming out here in the keep. And they're just having like a, a really tense back and forth. I feel like this scene was probably added after the after the effect, after the fact, because it doesn't really give a lot to what's going on in the keep. It just gives more to the explanation of why we hate Nazis, uh, why Warman is a more sympathetic character than the other uh, German soldiers in the movie. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I like it. I like the exchange, you know, it's also because, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of neat to see like inside of, of the German army like this and see characters that are, are sympathetic. Um, you know, and it's almost like if we watched, you know, something in the star Wars universe where you see like, you know, the empire and you see some of the characters, you know, not everyone's evil, you know, like some people are just doing their job. And of course, you know, you could say that, that that's bad too, but yeah, it, it's interesting. And, <laughs> and we all know that, you know, they had this discussion in clerks completely. So it's, it's not new. It's not new topics here. Yeah. I, and I love this exchange too, because, because be, just for the one quote, which I'll read, it's it's where Worman's giving it to him. And he's like, you know, what truth do you see? What are you discovering about yourself, Kemper? I murder all these people. Therefore, I must be powerful. And you smash them down only because that raises you up. It's a psychotic fantasy to escape the weakness and disease you sense in the core of your soul. You have scooped the most diseased psyches of the German gutter out of the German gutter. You have released the foulness that dwells in all men's minds. You have infected millions with your twisted fantasies. And from the millions of diseased mentalities that worship your twisted cross, what monstrosity has been released in this keep? Who are you meeting, Kemper, in this granite corridors of the keep? Yourself. And it's such a cool like moment because you're like, yeah, the, the monster is the devil. And it's just the, yeah. the, the it is, you know, it's pretty plain to me anyways. Yeah, right and, and after I... that. And I feel like this, I feel like this conversation 
like is what the movie was originally supposed to be about, which is, you know, yeah. uh, almost like the shadow, like what evil lurks in the hearts of men type of thing. And, and the, the creature is supposed to be like a, a representation of, of the evil that's in Kemper's, uh, Eric's, you know, heart. Um, everything that he's saying, I think is what we, we were supposed to see and maybe giving validity to what you're saying of, of it feels like it was a, it was shot later is maybe once they saw that you know the cut that they have of the film didn't really convey this idea they were like well, we need to go and add this dialogue in there to really it, it feel it felt like they were ham fisting like what the point of this movie was right here oh no and but but while doing it both actors are doing a spectacular job but it's definitely yes. like dialogue that's pro like put there for a purpose to convey an idea. Yeah, let's not let's not forget the fact that these are two phenomenal actors. So they they're doing their best with a with a with a scene that, you know, could have been cut out, but they left it in and it's relevant. It's it still makes sense. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, and what happens next is horrible. It's it's kind of inevitable. But um, Warman gets shot by Kemper uh, in the back. Yeah. And like a like a bitch. And, uh, and Kemper steals the cross of Warman that was given to him by the doctor and starts to leave the keep. And as he starts to leave the keep, uh, the carnage that they heard outside earlier and the screaming going on, you see the results of just Nazi soldiers burned to a crisp uh, with the whites of their eyes still showing. And it's it's really terrifying and very killer to watch just like the destruction that this monster has taken upon because he doesn't care. He just wants to destroy everybody. And uh, I love this command. I love this carnage again. There's no blood. There's no blood at all. It's just like burnt erupted bodies that are mangled and, and melting. And you can't tell because everything is just charred and black. You can't tell like what's a piece of metal. What's like bone. What's, you know, a gun. It's just, it's really cool. I love it. I, I, you know, like it was a cool idea to not make this movie bloody. You know, do you know what I mean? Like it was really, yeah. really neat. It, it gives it a very unique visual style to it. Yeah. If, if, if they added blood to this, it would have a different effect in my opinion. Um, it would not, it would take away from the dreamlike quality that it is. And yeah. as this carnage has unfolded and, uh, warm and, and sorry, Kemper sees the aftermath the monster walks out and the monster towers, towers over Warman, like predator to Schwarzenegger kind of thing. Where <laughs> yeah. It's like eight feet fucking tall. And and Warman's like, what are you? What are you? And then the monster says, you know, where am I from? I'm from you. And he kills Eric. He vaporizes him. But as he does, Eric or Warman screams like. Uh, like a little bitch, you know, yeah. he lets out this little whale. It's, it's actually great. Cause it's like, that's what you want. Cause that's what you kind of envision with Nazis. You're like, you know, they're, they're supposed to get their comeuppance and, and like really be terrified of dying. Uh, yeah. And that's the moment that I realized when he says, I come from you. It's like, he is the devil incarnate. Right. So yeah. from there cut to doctor, the doc uh, is now in what I called the monolith the cave deep pit and yeah. he's searching for the talisman and he, and he gets, he, he gets it and 
and he's going and he's climbing out of the the cave with this talisman, which looks like a flashlight. It's, but it's <laughs> yeah. kind of cool looking in a weird way. It's it's like the bottom half of a sword handle um, with a light yeah. shining from it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. But it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. I'm like, whatever. It does the job. You, yeah, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, it does the job. <laughs> it does the job. <laughs> right after that, you see that that Glaken has woken up, or he's start he's starting to get back up, and he's and he's trying to get out uh, from the the pit that he's fallen into. And the doctor's trying to escape, and it's kind of cutting back and forth. Uh, the doctor's and, and- almost out. And, and is this when he's like running down the hall and like that oh, I love the dream scene, yeah. song is playing? Yeah, it's so good. Oh God. Yeah. Dude, so like, so picture this McKellen who now looks, you know, like, like 48 with uh, gray hair. He's running down <laughs> the hallway of this deep hall and the nickel crosses that are, uh, that line the walls of the hall are lighting up as he's wa- running down the hall, almost like a warning sign. Like, you know, yeah. don't leave, don't leave. Right. And, and he's running in like slow motion with like this awesome Tangerine Dream song playing. It's it's so good. Like again, you're you're making this like like World War Two Nazi horror movie, and yet you you like Michael Mann decides to like film this in slow motion and add this yeah, synthy dream like soundtrack to it. And it just it, your mind is like, what am I watching? This is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. This is amazing. You know, I I just like wow. There's these awesome moments these awesome awesome moments like this is is what is what the keep is really all about these moments for me are what make this movie watch rewatchable yes uh just because again it's just visually you're just like oh my god it would have been just a typical typical war movie if they hadn't added all this stuff in but this Mm -hmm. is what put elevates it to the next level um at that point now ava's at the entrance of the keep and and you now see cut to Glaken opening up the case. He's obviously made it out uh, from the pit. He's opening up the case from the inn of, and it's this long light staff, yeah. which is very kind of like, um, what do you call that? When, uh, when, when something like you expected it to be really a bit huge reveal under over, underwhelming <laughs> you're like okay it's a big light stick uh yeah. and, it, and it, again it does the job does the job but at this point he picks up the light stick you see that and, and you they cut to, to glaken's face and he's yoked he's got that massive neck and you're like oh shit yeah he's got like process prosthetic thing on his on his trapezoids so that it look or whatever those neck muscles are so he looks kind of like and I, I get it it's like a visual cue that he's connected to the creature in some way shape or form but he also has some kind of prosthetic on his eyebrows. So he has like no eyebrows or something. It's really, it's cool, but it's weird. It's definitely weird. And I mean, Scott Glenn is already a unique looking person. So like these little uh, enhancements made him even more interesting looking. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's different because you've never, I guarantee you never seen Scott Glenn in a role like this before and maybe ever after. Um, yeah, you know, and it's pretty, it's just, it's very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cut back to the dock and he shows Ava, his daughter, the talisman and Ava tells him to take it back. And then the monster appears and the monster, you know, is yelling at, he's yelling at the doctor to kill her. And that's when I and wrote, the, I wrote, yeah, I go, I go, you done fucked up right there. Cause like right when he tells her, tells yeah. the, the Kuza to, to kill his daughter, that's when, that's when Ian McKellen's like, Oh, 
wait a minute, you know, and I, and I do love what he, what, what Kuza says, you know, when he starts to actually now confront the creature, he's like, you know, like, like, you know, if this is your talisman, you know, then you should be able to leave. He's like, who am, what do I need to prove to you? He's like, I love this. He goes, you need to prove to me, you know, like, like what your worth is to the, to the monster, you know, type of thing. He's like, and, and then he puts it together. He's like, if this isn't yours, then this is a prison, right? Like, like he puts yep. it together. I love that. Yeah. I loved how he stood up to him, and he's. I loved how he was like, "You need to prove yourself to me, motherfucker." And of course, it was more like. Well, I want to. I want to go. I want to go back a little bit because he after after the monster says, "You know, kill her," he strokes his daughter's face, and it reminded me. I'm like, oh wait, that's what Glaken did right after they boned. That's kind of creepy. Um, well, okay, I, I want to go back to the entire movie, and, and there were about five <laughs> scenes where I thought Ian McCullen was going to make out with Ava. Now, the the irony is that that there should be no sexual chemistry between them because because uh, um, Ian McCullen's gay. Uh, but like like I was like it was weird because I was like they have weird sexual chemistry that I don't understand. Like, first off, you're supposed to be father and daughter. And second off, you know, uh, we, we know what Ian McCullen's uh, preference is. So it's like, I was like, this is weird. Why? And then, yeah. And again, he like strokes her face and very like sexually lovingly. It's really weird. It's very weird. It's very, very weird. And and you're right. That the, 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 the dialogue exchange that he has with the monster is awesome. It was a little distracting to me, because McKellen at this point, his voice has completely changed. He now sounds American at this point. So instead of, he's like, who are you that I have to prove myself by killing my chap? There was just a few moments where it's almost like, like it was an outtake and they left it in. Uh, like he could have had a little bit, just he, it's like he dropped the accent. You'll see if you watch it again. It's just, it's just kind of jarring to me. But you're right. Like that whole exchange is so great when he reveals like, that he's finally come to Jesus and he's realized what he should be doing. And that's when the monster blasts him. And right after he blasts him, he turns back to his old self again. He's mm-hmm. the, he's, he's all crippled and withered and looking worse for the wear. Um, the talisman is now on the ground. Ava sees it. Uh, and then Glaken grabs the talisman. And he hooks it to his staff and now has turned it into like this big giant blaster. Yeah. Which is so cool. And when he does, he blasts all the crosses. And there's this like really oh, that that was the thing. When he when he hooks it up to his staff and he goes to shoot the monster, they show his eyes. And his eyes, he has these killer contacts that are like grids on yeah. his, on his eyes they're so yeah. cool it, it's like a millisecond you just you got to pause it to see it i noticed that and it's like it's like you know design choice you're like first off we're going to give him purple contacts and then guys wait for it later he's going to have a grid on his eyes <laughs> you know like i'm just trying to like 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 hear that pitch you know in 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 the pre-production meeting um but yeah dude it's really weird it's like almost like a like a Tron grid, like, like, like it's, it's yeah, like, you know, not, not organic. It's, it's, you know, uh, straight lines, cro- you know, cross hatch type of thing. Really interesting. No idea why they would even like for the nanosecond that you see it. Why did they even bother taking the time to create those contacts? Whereas like, honestly, you could have just showed close up of, of his purple eyes. Like he already had weird eyes, 
But ultimately, it was still cool. Like, you know, like, I'm glad they did it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these things are like, why did they do that? Why did this? Why did they do this? Why did they do that? At the end of the day, it looks fucking cool. And this is an artistic film. Like, I love it, man. This is everything about this. I'm just like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm sold on this because he he and he and he blasts out this the with his with his sword blaster now that he has, and he <laughs> yells to Ava to you know take her dad and get out, uh, and he stalks the monster because the monster's now trying to retreat. And they, they do a shot close up of his neck again. And he, he's all yoked out just like the monster is. So now you're realizing, oh, are they one and the same? Is it heaven and hell? Is the yeah, devil like, and God? Right. Yin or like, yang? like, you know, angel and demon or something, you know, like there, yeah. there's some, there's some connection between the two or, you know, are they like, and it's always like that in sort of like the angel demon stuff. Like they're sort of brothers, you know, like what, what happens to one will happen to the other one. If you kill one, the other yeah. one's going to die with it type of thing. Yeah. It's all, it goes back to like Greek mythology and shit like that. You know, they're all related and connected in some weird way. Um, but I just wrote down, he blasts the monster back to kingdom come, he just, <laughs> just, just, just decimates him. Uh, then he drops the blaster and he's looking all rough and he turns around to Ava and he reaches out like he, almost like he wants to connect with Ava. Like he, yeah. he does truly love her. That that's what I got out of that moment. It was like, no, he has, he honestly does feel this connection with Ava. Yeah. And, uh, and Ava's screaming out, but he gets sucked into the keep. Because, because like, when he blasts the monster, even though the monster went in the hole, like, like a bunch of air was, like, sucking in. So, like, he's, yeah, as he's reaching out to Ava, like, you know, like, light is coming from behind him and air is just, like, blowing past him. So, like, you can tell that he's using, like, all of his strength to, to kind of, like, hold his ground, you know? Yeah, and in the same, the same air that sucked the Nazis in earlier in, in the beginning of the movie is what is sucking Glaken into the keep. And sucks him into the keep. Keep is now basically there's still some smoke dissipating, but it but the keep is now sealed again. Ava's with her father, and the villagers all start coming out. And Father Finescu comes out like nothing ever happened. Like, like he no, never like, had his weird dog meltdown. Like like he never killed his dog and had red eyes. <laughs> he yeah he comes out like with this loving kind of energy about him, where you're like oh yeah they they probably should have either cut that scene or add just a little bit more depth to what was going on there, but they didn't. And this is the only copy or print we're ever going to see this movie. So we're kind of fucked in that way. So we just got to deal with it. (laughs) And after that happens, I love this. It's very Fulci esque to me uh, because you know, they're helping Ava and her dad up to go back into the village. And Ava turns around one last time to look at the keep and it just ends on her face and the movie is over. A Michael Mann mm-hmm. film and credits. <laughs> end Done. credits. Wow. 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 Wowie. Wowie. <laughs> Wowie. Wow. Wowerton. Yeah, that the movie is a lot to digest. Um, I I'll just say it. I mean, I enjoyed my experience with it. I loved the soundtrack. I I loved the cinematography. I loved the the dreamlike quality to it. Um, the thing was that like a movie, its foundation is supposed to be the story. Everything else around it, the the cinematography, the soundtrack, everything else around it, 
is supposed to enhance the story. Here, the story is is they just said, "Oh fuck it, it's gone because we had it's a three and a half hour story. We're gonna cut it down to an hour and a half. The story's botched." What you have yes. though, what you're left with, I I, I want to say this in the most loving ways, you have a turd polished to perfection. Like like yes. if you looked at this movie at like as like you know in film school and you look at it at, under a microscope and say it's X Y Z you know you'd be you'd be like oh this movie's terrible like like it's it's and I and again we understand that there's there's the other this is not the version that was intended we get it but this is the only version that I can specifically talk about and and you too so I'm, I can only go off of this version and what I what I I didn't want to say it but I'm like it really is the definition of polishing a turd and it, and it yep. not in a bad way because you know i no, believe no. that the story originally was not a turd it's just the way the movie played out like like people say it all the time no one goes out to make a bad movie everyone goes out to make uh, the best movie they could possibly make and i think that the studios botched the shit out of this thing and i do believe that there's a much more interesting and intriguing story there but what we're left with is a movie that doesn't have a very strong story, but oh boy, does everything else that comes with it is so amazing that you just completely forget that the story is is just not that good or, or doesn't make sense. You know, all the things that, you know, now we've just talked about. And, and it really is like they polish the shit out of it. And honestly... It's fucking cool. It's a cool ass movie. It really, really is. It's it's a it's a fun movie. It's a fast movie. It's only an hour and a half. I mean, freaking Trading Places with two was two hours long. So like, this is a fast movie, and it moves like a dream. And you know, we said it earlier, but weirdly enough, the the the, the fact that the studio destroyed it in the editing process actually gives it more of a dreamlike quality to it. But I I would say. You, if you haven't seen this movie, you absolutely need to. I'm I'm absolutely bl- blessed that that you got me a copy of this because I, I've wanted to see it for so long. Um, it was not as scary as I thought it was. I told Myra before we watched it, I was like, "This movie's scary as shit," and that's only because of my you know ten year old, eleven year old me remembering it. It's really not that scary, but what it lacks in a story and what it lacks in scare, it makes up for in. Sp- Spades and in, in, in the places that it's strong, the places that it's strong are like a 10, you know, like like and then the places that are it's weak are like a fucking three. So so the disparity yeah. disparity, but the, the the distance between like what, what's good and bad about it is, is very like a very big distance. But man, the end product, this is one of those times where like the end product, the whole is better than the pieces that, that, that encompasses it. And it's, and I have to give that to the acting. The acting is absolutely fan fucking tastic for what I can hear. Um, and, uh, the cinematography is absolutely fucking amazing. The set design is killer, but that soundtrack this Tangerine Dream soundtrack, it's 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 everything. It is the secret sauce. It is the X factor. It is the cohesion that keeps this movie interesting. That keeps this movie um, moving along. That keeps this movie watchable. But also elevates this movie to a second, just a whole new level uh, of of awesomeness. And it's it's really because of this Tangerine Dream soundtrack, man. It's fucking fantastic. 
Yeah, they they had done um, the movie Thief, Michael Mann's Thief, prior to this. Yeah. Uh, with, with, with Jimmy Kahn. <laughs> with Jimmy Kahn. I'm not a huge fan of that movie. I have to watch it again. It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, but again, the soundtrack elevates that movie from just being a typical ho-hum caper film. Um, and then they also did a movie called Soldier, which starred Al- Alberta Watson as well, Ava. And the only reason I point that out is because yeah, she was in that movie. Um, Ken Wall is in that movie. It's a really cool, uh, like kind of just kind of action movie in the early eighties. Um, so they, they did a, you know, a shit ton of movies that always elevated it to the next level, like kind of typical movies. Um, it's funny because they did a soundtrack. They did the soundtrack for three o'clock high and, uh, the director of three o'clock high actually didn't like what they gave him. They, he thought it was too dark. He wanted something closer to risky business so they kind of went back and just recycled a lot of their old older music uh for that movie um but fun fact as i'm reading the credits for this film uh at the end there's a very famous um children's book called the snowman it's a wordless book and they made an animated feature for it in the early 80s and the the music is very haunting but beautiful. It's like there's magic in the air. Right, very famous piece for that movie, uh, for that animated short. Tangerine Dream did a version of that in this movie. So at the end, it says the snowman theme, <laughs> and I'm like, ah. oh shit, that's bizarre that that would be in a horror supernatural type movie like this. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Um, and another couple of fun facts. I didn't know that apparently there was a board game that came out for this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back which, in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Which is f- f- uh, awesome. I would love to s- check that out. Um, yeah. I mean, Michael Mann, you know, I bet you if you interviewed him now, hopefully we will someday. Um, he might have a different, perspective on this movie i could see why he was hating on it for so long uh but yeah you're right you you polished a turd you you, what could have just been a forgotten side you know a, a forgotten film by a heralded director ends up becoming a cult classic like i could say that this movie is easily a cult movie you watch it with friends you watch it on your own it's not scary on one hand um, but if you are if you're terrified by just like odd images, this movie has that, you know. Yeah, because as a kid, I said it earlier, but like as a kid, man, this movie's like an assault on the senses. And and as yeah. a kid, I just I'd never seen anything like that before. I mean, honestly, I've never seen anything like the Keep Before Period. Even at the age of forty two, it's a very unique film. And uh, but yeah, man, it's it's such a and like I said, the 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 you know your protagonist is also uh, you know a Nazi or, or or German, you know, a German soldier. Yep. So you're like, okay, am I supposed to be siding with him? But I, let me, I do want to clarify just real quick, and I, I apologize. When I say they polished a turd, I don't believe that it was Michael Mann's turd. I believe it's Paramount's turd. They they took Michael Mann's movie, they ate it, and then they shit it out. That it's their turd, not Michael Mann's turd. Do you know what I mean? No, again, I I think this is 
and like I said earlier, we may have to do a watch list on movies, movies that should have been 10 times better, but a studio crapped on them. I've been saying that recently for the past 10, 15 years with Sony. I think Sony pictures, uh, puts out shit movies and they, they, they kill franchises. I think they almost killed the Ghostbuster franchise with that remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the Spider-Man movies are, are terrible. The, not the, the, the ones they did with, um, yeah, the oh amazing God. Spider-Man with, uh, Garfield, the amazing, I, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah. Garbage movies. I'm sorry. I'm just going to like be totally blunt about it. Usually I'm very, um, diplomatic and like, well, there's elements. No, man, these movies suck. Yeah. And so when a, when a studio, a, a studio doesn't necessarily know producers typically don't know, uh, what is going to be good. Joel Silver, just by the time this airs, Joel Silver's birthday would have passed already. Joel Silver is a rare exception of a producer that takes shit movies and turns them into gold. Um, with his vision, this is a, but that's a rarity. This is a typical thing of like studios, not giving a shit. Uh, they didn't give enough money to Michael Mann at the end. So that's why the finale looks like it's so short lived. It's just over. And, and the, uh, the special effects guy passing, it also, uh, neutered that, that final showdown was supposed to be much grander than it was. This movie just seemed like it had even during production, not just post-production, not just the studio interference, but even during production, this movie sounded like it just, it didn't have an easy go. No. And it's, and that's, that's a shame. But, um, but like you said, and I agree with you, I I know what you're saying. And it's, it may sound harsh polishing a turd, but I think people get the idea that you took something that wasn't going to be that great and made it into something that is going to be memorable. I mean, people, I think we're, we're going to be talking about this movie 10 years from now. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe the fact that it never got a proper release is what's adding to the mythos into the idea that it is better than it was expected to be. Uh, but so be it, dude, whatever we have copies of it. People should go out and buy it. The quality is considering it's a DVD considering it's, it's lift. I don't know. It looks pretty damn good overall. Like, I, you yeah, know, it's there, obviously not a Blu-ray. It's 2.35 no, to 1, so it's widescreen shot. It's beautifully, like, you see the full frame. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the DVD transfer, I, I don't... I think it's fine. Like the DVD transfer is fine. It it's bare bare bones. Although it does have a commentary track by I don't not by Michael Mann. I don't think, but um, it doesn't have subtitles. God damn it! I mean, come on, come on. If anybody's listening to this, I don't care that we're older. We live in a day and age where people want to actually know every little piece of a movie. They don't, you know, back in the day, people didn't really care as much. I want to know everything they said. You know, it's important to me. So put the subtitles on. Um, I would easily pay a little bit more for that. It's got the trailer on it too, which is kind of cool because there's some scenes that were cut in the movie that are actually in the trailer. Yeah. And I love seeing vintage trailers. They're always so creepy. But yeah, man, I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad you overall uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, and... I, I mean, don't 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 get me wrong. I, I loved it. I loved my time with it. I, I thought it was super fun. I I really really do. It's just like, you know, the 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 film school nerd in me is has a problem with like just 
fundamentals 101 you know like like oh, yeah, literally yeah. fundamentals too. Too. 101 are getting are getting destroyed here and like 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 you know also too like characters don't have any arcs like Kempler didn't really have an arc you know uh uh, uh you know it's just it it's because everything was on the cutting room floor it's again yeah. not Michael Mann's fault it's the studio's fault but the 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 pluses just so 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 outweigh the negatives just like cr- like insanely so where you're like wow like the the pluses just absolutely decimate the the negatives absolutely but so don't take don't don't think that I did not enjoy my time with it because I absolutely did and I'm so oh. so happy that this is now like in my my lexicon uh more so than what it was you know before like you said it was it was more of a dude I, I was I was guilty of that for me it, this movie was a, a a mythical uh horror movie that like I was literally scared of because you know even going in to watch it with with my wife for this I was like oh who's this gonna be super scary and i'm like oh oh it's not but i see why like 11 year old me thought it was because man you're watching this at 11 you know you don't have that many years of experience behind you and you're watching it your buddy's asleep and you're downstairs in the basement of not your house so like you know everything's sort of foreign and everything and then this movie is so so bizarre i wish my brain just was not ready for it but at 42 my brain and my body was absolutely ready for it. And my brain man, and my I want body. that soundtrack. <laughs> and I well, want that soundtrack. Well, yeah, that's the other bro. thing. That soundtrack's not available anywhere right now. Um, but we live in a day and age where shit gets reissued all the time. People find the way fans. I love, like, um, oh, God, there's a vinyl company that puts out horror uh, albums all the time. And I'm blanking on their name right now. Uh, and I own. Oh, Death Waltz Records. They put out like the Reanimator soundtrack, all the John Carpenter. I would not be surprised if they find a way to get their hands on this shit because it is it'll it'll be gold. I'm telling you, that shit would sell so well, Uh, like a purple vinyl that would look really neat. Anyways, Mm -hmm. um, I was also gonna say too that uh, this movie, my my childhood. Uh, vision memories of this film still hold up today. Like just then the idea that the ambiance is so overwhelmingly dark and creepy. Mm -hmm. I I would love to see like a triple feature of this with Prince John Carpenter's Prince of darkness. And then in the mouth of madness, like three kind of just like overall arching kind of doom and gloom, but this weird entity presence um, for me personally, but I'm, I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad I could reintroduce it to both of us. And I'm glad that at the end of the day, uh, it, 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 it made me smile more than it made me cringe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, at the end of the day, anything negative about this film is dramatically outweighed by the positive. I, I keep reiterating that, but it, it's true. Yeah. No, everything no, yeah, negative totally. in this movie is, is overpowered by the awesomeness that is mostly the tangerine dream soundtrack <laughs> and how hey, it's utilized, you know, what? You know. <laughs> it, this, this is fulfilling uh, my desires. I love me some synth. So we got I mean, it. I, I mean, bro, uh, I, next, I do too. Next... By, by the way, I just, I just saw the notification today on Spotify that uh, the midnight has a new album out. So I can't wait to, uh, to listen to that. Oh, it's beautiful, dude. It's a beautiful, 
That's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's so I'm, good. I'm with you, man. I I love I love the Midnight. I love Gunship. I love uh, FM84. Um, man, that, oh god, that that one album of FM84 is just absolutely spectacular. But yeah, dude, I'm with that, you, man. Atlas, I love yeah. Synthwave, and I love I love Tangerine Dream. Uh, I was never a big soundtrack guy growing up as a kid, but you are definitely uh, f- like not forcing me, but helping me to to appreciate and notice uh, uh, the soundtrack. Uh, to to movies and 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 Tangerine Dream man is whoo boy oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy <laughs> yeah it's I, good I, man it's good if you can't get if if you if if you oh, man I would lo- that's another thing too like an isolated film score soundtrack whatever it's gonna happen one of these days someone's gonna get a someone like a like a Ronin DVD or Scorpion or you know some of those offshoot companies um gonna get a hold of it but in the meantime. Diabolique DVD, uh, check them out. I have plugged them up and down. So well, mm-hmm. you're welcome, Diabolique DVD. <laughs> um, oh, I'll tell you what. If you buy this DVD from them, tell them why. Tell them that you heard it on our show and just like, share the love. Just write a note. You know, in the note section, when you, when, you, when you order something, say, hey, I heard Podcasting After Dark review this movie. That's the reason I'm buying this DVD today. Just, that, that, I mean, I guys, know, that would cool. be, that'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. I mean, we would, I would, I, and that's the thing, like, and here's the thing about it this way. We don't want sponsorship from like Casper mattresses and all that kind of stuff. We want sponsorship <laughs> that actually like makes sense. Like actually having like, you know, Arrow or Severin or, or D- and Diabolique DVD like sponsoring us, you know, we, we would rather have sponsors that you guys care about. Otherwise we're going to just turn into every other podcast and have fucking blue apron sponsorship and fucking, you know, uh, all that, blue, which, which we'll do, which we'll do because you know, we're, we, any, money we make we'll put right back into the podcast but yeah guys uh, let them know let them know that that we sent you would be would be awesome that's all that's all we're saying and i would tell you this too it just it just uh reminded me a way to describe this movie to wrap it up um on two dollar late fee cheap plug we came up with the uh, term a masterpiece when a it's a messy masterpiece so this is a perfect masterpiece um and you know what whether we get sponsorship or out of it it was it was great to just walk down uh mammary lane again with a movie that (laughs) tickled the ivories yeah buddy amen i ain't complaining and i enjoyed every minute with it especially this uh this two and a half hour uh uh uh, conversation as i'm sitting in the sweat box that is my office in like 90 degree temperature i am i've literally lost five pounds but you know what it's worth it it's worth it and on on that note uh hey Corey, where can we find you (laughs) yeah buddy out there in the world, you know, you can always find me on Instagram. You can find me on uh, at Corey Nation at my personal Instagram. You can find us, both of us, on Podcasting After Dark on Instagram. Um, and then if you want to hear my sweet vocals, my pipes, you can uh, listen to me and our buddy Adam talk about Seinfeld every week on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. And that's on the BFOP network, just like Podcasting After Dark. Zach, where can we find you? <laughs> Cough, cough, two dollar late fee. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, obviously, it seems like everyone gets their uh, their their sources from Instagram nowadays. So yeah, on Instagram, find me at two dollar late fee. 
uh, or two dollar late fee.com. It's the my other podcast that I do, uh, equally loved 80s retro interviews, exclusive interviews with actors and performers from that time. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Zach Schaefer, and then you can find me at my new website, uh, ZachSchaeferVO.com, which I finally got done, which will have, <laughs> it's got, it's got all the work I've been doing outside of podcasts. So it's got my, uh, voiceover animation, voiceover commercial work. It's got my stuff I did for Castle Rock on Hulu. Uh, it's got my stuff I did for Juicebox, this kid's cartoon. You know, it's got all that cool stuff. And it's got links to all the uh, podcasting after dark and $2 late fee on that as well. So go to nice. ZachSchaeferVO.com. Yeah, there you go. And I, real quick, just want to plug again $2 late fee. I will say that uh, if you guys are following the Podcast After Dark Instagram, which I know you are because we're about to break 2,000 followers, uh, you saw that uh, I had a lot of fun uh, uh, watching The Legend of Billie Jean for the first time. And I did that because of the review that Dustin and Zach did on $2 late fee. So it's a lot of fun. And it's I, I don't promote uh, $2 late fee because Zach's one of my best friends. I promote it because I'm also a fan. So just so you guys well, know. thanks, dude. Yeah, well, the, buddy. Well, the and uh, is, the feeling's mutual. Thanks, man. And uh, you know, I'm also a fan of our Patreon page. So if you like what we do here, like I like we said earlier, uh, we have so much more over at the Patreon. Um, we have uh, another a monthly show called Wrap Up After Dark, where Zach and I kind of like have a just a free form discussion, shoot the shit kind of show. It's fun. We love it. It's it's a good time. It's a monthly show, and we kind of just talk about you know uh, what happened in Podcast After Dark's world over the course of this month. And uh, you know we don't really go like current event type of bullshit we we keep it light and breezy so if you like what we talk about here you'll like like that as well and uh under that tier, you also get our, our reveal videos. Um, you know, when, when Zach and I send each other movies that we're going to do next, we will cut little videos. And, I mean, they're getting real fun. And the people who, you know, are on the Patreon really like them. So those those seem to be a, a big hit. And, uh, and, and but the, the sort of the meat and potatoes is our interviews after dark tier. And that's uh, uh, you, not only do you get – uh, the wrap-up after dark, and the ad-free episodes, and the unboxing videos, but you get all of our complete interview after dark series, uh, conversations with Brian Usna, the director of Return of the Living Dead Part 3, uh, Tom Matthews, who you know as Tommy Jarvis and Friday 13th Part uh, 6, and also uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 1 as Tommy. Nope. Yep. Dope. Yep. Right? Jesus Christ. Right? Wasn't he yes. Tommy in that too? Yeah, he's Tommy in both of them. Why, I don't know why I brain farted on that one. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Z- uh, people like Zach Ward. Uh, I mean, guys, we have at this point, I think we're pushing about 12 interviews on there. So Jeanette Goldstein, who was Vasquez and Aliens, uh, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Kostansky. I mean, guys, it's a lot of fun. And uh, uh, we got Tom Holland dropping probably right around the time you hear this. We'll probably have yep. the Tom Tom Holland one coming out soon. And then tomorrow, I mean, we've already mm-hmm. announced it. We're talking to uh, Billy Cole and, and, and from Fright Night. We're talking to Jonathan Stark himself, dude. So, man, oh, man. it's I'm blown away. I, I And by the way, guys, it's all Zach. Zach's the one that's getting us all these interviews. It's So if you want to give a thank you to anybody, it's Zach. And Zach, thank you, my dude. Because oh, I dude. never in my life. When we recorded our Fright Night review, and I put out into the universe what is Billy Cole, at the time, 
having not only the fact that we're interviewing Billy Cole himself, but the director and writer of the movie, like none of that was in my thought. Like how the hell would I ever think that? So the fact that we're living that reality is, it blows me away, guys. I'm blown away. So and, thank and you, Stephen, Zach. And Stephen Jeffries, who, uh, you know, is kind of a recluse, you know, not kind of is, He's away from that scene now, so uh, having him on the show was a re- kind of an exclusive because he doesn't do podcasts ever. Um, dude, it, it's my pleasure. You know that. that this, yeah. this, is, this is the part of the show that I feel like I'm pretty good at. And, uh, and, and I'm, <laughs> Buddy, you're good at every part of the show, my man. You're good oh, at every part. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Likewise, <laughs> likewise. Uh, you know, up until this point, yeah, we've got, we've got Jonathan Stark, and then uh, we're also going to be interviewing Richard Band uh, a few days after. And that'll yep. be another one later on in a, in a couple months. Richard Band is the music composer for some of your favorite f- uh, horror films. So, I- including you know, like, including Prison, which we did here on Podcast After Dark. So, right there you go. So, come on, like if you're able to give love in a financial way, more power to you. Bless you. You're awesome. If you're not, and you're just write us notes, you know, like some of you guys who just write us notes and say, Oh, we love the show. Keep it up the great work. That means the world, man. Cause like at this, in this day and age, and I'm not getting political, but you know what the world needs now is love, sweet love, like legit. When you go out and you say something nice to somebody, you write a note to them. You, 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 you say, Hey, good job. That means the world, you know, yeah. the two of us are sitting here and doing our thing. Um, and, 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 you know, we put a lot of time and energy into this, uh, because we love it and we will continue to do that. We want it to be the best podcast on the planet. That's not disparaging to anybody else. Just want to be the best, the best of our best. And, uh, and it puts, but it takes a lot of energy and time. And so when you show, when you get that, when you guys shout us out, and and you say that to us like great job we loved it man it means the world to us like i can't it, tell you it really, it, does. it really does it really does and we 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 both of us uh you know even if like i respond or if zach responds we'll both still see the the comment on instagram or whatever uh or if you leave us a review on apple Podcasts, we we see them all and and yeah we we love them all we we try to reply to everyone if if we didn't reply to you, uh, that was a mistake. We we really try to reply to everybody. So uh, yeah. just just saying, if it, if we didn't, that was a total mistake it, down the road, whatever. Um, but also, want to announce real quick, we got a merch store up, guys. Uh, you know, we we launched it on uh, Instagram. Oh, we yeah. announced it on Instagram. We've already been selling uh, pretty much a shirt every single day. Uh, you guys seem to love it. But yeah, we got a merch store up. You can find it on our website. Just go to podcastafterdark.com/slash/merch, and uh, it's right there. It, it, it's all, everything's through T Public, so you could you know you could always just go straight to T Public and type in Podcast After Dark. But w- the website will get you there. And we have three des- we have three shirt designs up now with uh we would like to to just do more coming moving forward honestly i would love to like have a shirt for every episode like one of the ones that i want to do is just have a like a silhouette of christopher walken and then just put bop 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 on it like i I just want like (laughs) deep cut shirts that no one else would know besides fans of podcasting after dark you know so that's our goal and and i think like how did this how does this get made kind of does that like every episode has some kind of shirt with like the slogan or something so i'd love to do something like that but right now we do have three that are awesome one of which is our 
year one poster uh, that we had uh, Dan Parker design for us. And, and by the way, that was paid for. That commission uh, to Dan Parker was paid for from funds from our Patreon. So we just we honestly take the money and put it right back into the show. Truthfully, truthfully. Yeah. Thank you guys for everything up and down. T to B. T to B. T to B, guys. T to B. So, and as Zach always says, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.